You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everybody tuning into Fox on the Wire, and welcome to episode number 65. A very special episode today, focusing on uh, a very important album turning 30 years old today, as a matter of fact. And we're going to dive deep into this album with one of our good friends, Luciano Alvaro. Welcome, Luch. G'day, Craig. Lovely to see you again. And welcome, everyone in podcast land. What's going hey. on, my friend? Same old, same old that everyone else is dealing with, man. Living in, uh, <laughs> living in you know, good old, the good old, you know, one of the, well, was one of the most livable cities in the world. Who knows anymore now? Yeah. <laughs> now the uh, most locked down city now. Well, that, oh, actually, yeah, we hold we hold the uh, the Guinness record for that now, don't? So yeah, and and, and many more to come. Many more these days to come. So yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, we'll, no so, doubt. But, yeah. So, but yeah, well, yeah, as like all all great Victorians, we uh, we try to keep our chin up, our heads up, try to keep it high. It's a shit fight out there, but we're doing our best. Come on, let's get let's get out of this rut. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we're doing here today. We're going to try and focus on something positive because, admittedly, things are very flat, <laughs> to say the least, at the moment. Um, so we need positive things to focus on. And the year 1991 is something you and I have always talked about a lot and the amount of great albums that were released in that year, so obviously being 2020, 2021, a lot of those albums are turning 30, and it just so happens today, September 24th, 1991, one of those highly influential albums was released, and which mm-hmm. album are we talking about, Luch? We are talking about one of the most influential albums that of my entire existence. Where would I be without this album? We are talking Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex, Magic album. There it is. There it is. There it is. On this day, on this day, nineteen ninety-one. How about that? How, we we didn't. None of this was planned. It all just kind of happened that we decided to do it on this day. So it's great. It's a good feel. Um, the stars align, and here we are, happily going to be talking about this classic album. It's great music, and what it has done from a whole music, you know, pop cultural or you know mainstream you know, influence from, from its release and to where it is now. Well, it's a massive, a massive album. What is it? Like 17 songs. I mean, huge, huge album. And just to give you some perspective, um, on that same day in 1991, September 24th, there was another massive album that changed the landscape of music forever. Oh and yeah. Was Nirvana's Nevermind released That's- on the same day as this. How about that, eh? <laughs> and, and there was a couple of other honourable mentions. Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger, same day. Same day, um, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy um, Brian Adams, Waking Up the Neighbours. And uh, yesterday, which was September 23rd, it was Primal Screams, Screamadelica, uh, The Pixies, Trompe Le Monde, and um, uh, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 on September yeah. 17. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, No More Tears, September 17, and there's heaps more. So it was just a not only a massive year, but September in particular, a massive month 
Hell yeah. I'm going to throw one in there, one that I posted up on my uh, on my, all my socials yesterday. So I'm going to give a shit <laughs> whether it has any relevance or significance to the, uh, the overall landscape, but Europe's Prisoners in Paradise album. That's an album that's near and dear to my heart, so I'm throwing that in there. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. <Shout out. laughs> yeah, man. Oh, it's just what what happened in 1991. Obviously, you know, a lot of these bands probably recorded some of this in 1990, possibly. So, just the start of that decade was just monstrous. It's just crazy. Like, like uh, the list. I mean, you gave me a whole map yeah. before we talked about this. You gave me this. <laughs> oh, you know, we'll do we'll do an album from 1991. Here's the short list went for about three days um, <laughs> um i was like oh my god like the albums on the other i hadn't even had even just even even thought about it. not just because of you know we always hear about you know like you know chili's sound gardens pearl jam nirvana you know all the grunge, i guess the kind of grunge rock kind of stuff but you know there was a massive list of like the pop albums on there as well i was like oh yeah that's okay yeah geez it was you know all these other ones that you just kind of don't think about because the rock was such a Mm. was so prevalent and dominant within, you know, and, and the transition of that time as well uh, of, of where the rock landscape was going. Yeah. I mean, you know, this Chili Peppers album sounds a lot different to everything else that was released. You know, it's totally different to the Black album, uh, totally different to Slave to the Grind, Use Your Illusion albums by Guns N' Roses, Nevermind. I mean, mm. Nevermind and, and uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic are, well, worlds apart, I would think so. Yep. But um, it was just such a amazing time for for music and for a lot of these bands that I think were their biggest albums. You know, like and a lot of them are still around today. Um, Metallica, that's still the Black Album, that's still their biggest album. Dare I say, this is probably still the Chili's biggest album. Um, Slave to the Grind, Skid Row, that's still their biggest album. Yep. Um, so it must have been something in the water around that time. I don't know. It's just a, yeah, who knows, but man, if you, you know, you can carve up a list, look up, you know, for all listeners out there, just type in, go just Google 1991 in music, mm. and look at the list of albums on there and just, just listen, just, 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 just pick, pick them out and just listen to what, what amazing tunes came out or albums just came out that year, man, you, you're in for an absolute feast. Yeah. And it was at a time where... Uh, the whole musical landscape was changing. You know, a lot of uh, well, grunge had kicked in and it was just about to be kicked in the face with, you know, uh, Nevermind's release today, 30 years ago. So that was going to change things even more. Um, but, yeah, the whole landscape was kind of shifting, which is really interesting. Um, I think it came at the right time as well, that, I mean, because you could see where that you know the whole hair metal scene was going you know it had yeah. its it had its day you know from the you know the the mid 80s you know and going on and on and on and then it was just becoming this um copycat league you know mm. um you know the bigger the hair the bigger the makeup the bigger the video clip um but the songs were just getting so diluted you know um it was essentially coming it was essentially that scene was yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I love I love the hair metal scene. You know, yeah, I, me I really yeah, yeah I love it all. It's just, it's just you know, good music is good music. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, uh, as, ma- as much as many many of those older heads who just are still crying the day hair metal died. You know, it's a good. I think it's a great thing that <laughs> Nirvana had come in. Just basically, I reckon actually that they, they put the nail in the coffin because I think those bands were starting to 
fade away and they were just kind of hanging around doing their thing. They still had some good, they still had some, some, some good, some good music, but it was just, it was just basically oversaturating and it was just eating yeah. itself. So for something like Nirvana to come in um, and basically just say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to put you to sleep now. That's it. And it was it. It was over essentially yeah. <laughs> like that. Just, just like that. Smells yeah. like teen spirit. See you later. Over. Yeah, and you you hear a lot of the guys uh, from those '80s sort of hair metal bands. Um, they talk about when they heard nev- uh, when they heard "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on the radio. They're like, "Oh, that's it. Our careers are over." Yeah, like yeah. Ima- imagine um, imagine the impact of that. Like, uh, and sort of realizing that at that time. Like, and "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is still such a massively powerful song. Like, Huge. of all the songs that get you know, saturated on radio airplay like Into Sandman and, um, uh, you know, ones that just get repeated daily over and over and over. Like Smells Like Teen Spirit for me is still, still holds its power and I can still listen to that without feeling like, oh, I've heard this song a million times. Like I can't listen to it again. Sweet Child of Mine by Gunners, you know, it just gets played so often on the radio. It's like, oh, I can't hear this song anymore. But, um <laughs> Yeah, Teen Spirit. Oh, Under the Bridge, you know, which we'll cover today. That's one I can't listen to anymore because it just it's you know a great what song, I've, though. You know what I've found? Like, and look, I'm the same. Look, a lot of us are, you know. Look, I mean, we're all my favourite artists. You know, like, I've, I've found that, like, those songs that were so popular and, um, uh, you know, that have been just played to death, you know, like you've you, you got your Spotify, your CDs or whatever you're listening to. Um, yeah, it's like, oh, I can skip that one. I've heard it enough. Yeah, I'm going to go to the yeah. next song now. Sometimes you just have to kind of think, you know what? I'm going to listen to this song, whatever it might be. You know, we'll say, let's just say Sweet Child of Mine, for example. And I'm going to listen to it like I did when I, thinking back to, I'm going to put myself in the mindset when I first heard it. Think of the memory. Go back, go back in time. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's it there. And you kind of appreciate it more again because of yeah, how yeah. you realize how that made you feel when you, when you heard that song, I'm starting to, to, to swing it that way a lot more now. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's making me feel kind of warm and fuzzy because I'm like, Oh man, mm-hmm. my childhood, what I was doing at the time, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, you know, obviously living, living at home with you know, my parents or I was playing, you know, I was playing into basketball or I'm playing this, this PlayStation game, whatever it might be. It just kind of bring, I kind of go back into simpler times, you know, I bring it back to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was so much music to ingest. Uh, you know, we had all these bands that um, had been around for a little while and you were just discovering, like, I, I got into, I think I got into Guns N' Roses and then on the back of that, I got into Motley, I got into Skid Row and it's all this new music, or new to me music that I was yeah. discovering and it's just a rabbit hole and it was the same with, uh, you know, Nirvana, I think I got into first, then I went back to Soundgarden, oh, then you got Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. Love your grunge. Um, the, the Pixies, you know, they're yeah. just just amazing where this stuff uh, takes you from one band to the next. And uh, there was just so much for us growing up in the 90s to to ingest. And, and the way that you find of. it. You know, that's, and the way in which you, you yeah. found it as well. Like, I mean, obviously 30 years ago, um, I'll probably go more towards, you know, not even 30 years ago. It was probably around the mid-90s, you know, when you, you know, probably mm. start you know, working your first part-time job and all that kind of stuff, and you can 
actually go out and afford, you know, afford the music, afford the CDs and all that. Yeah. But, you know, that whole experience of, you know, you know, seeing it on, you know, video hits or, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, before, you know, or if you had Fox, say, yeah, Channel V, whatever it might be back then. But then going down to your local store, and there were many of them, you know, your Sandys, mm. HMVs, brushes, whatever it might be. And, couldn't wait to get in the car, you know, go down to the plaza, the shopping center, whatever, and, yep. you know, go, oh, I got it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How good was that feeling? Yeah. I got the CD now. Yeah. 30 bucks in 1996, you know? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 29.95. You know, I, I had to work three weeks just to get that CD, you know? <laughs> but again, yeah. you think about that and what the music meant to you back then growing up and because it meant so much to you that you were willing to bust your ass whatever yeah. part-time job or do your chores around the house or you had your mm-hmm. birthday money or whatever it might be and travel down to the shop and flick through and to hold it you know oh, you know it's like that whole <laughs> you know the whole the, the holy uh, the holy prize you've got there you know and and you get you get home or you throw it in your discman and you just be <laughs> like it, you, it was your world that was mm-hmm. it and it meant so much and that's why i think a lot of music you know like especially i guess to us you know, I hate to say it, older heads. Uh, it means so much to us because of the experience we have of that music, of how we attain the music. You know, it, was, yeah. it wasn't just, you know, wake up in the morning, go on my phone, go on Spotify, there's your, there's your discography, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a bit more kind of heartfelt. And that's, I think, for our generation, you and I especially, like we're talking about this, this 1991 release and, and, you know, these other, these other releases we're talking about, we were, we were part of that generation there. Uh, where it meant so much to us. And, you know, you're almost envious of your friends, like when they had the album and you didn't, you know, like, oh, man, you got the album and, 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 they, make you, and they make you jealous, you know, because yeah. I got the CD that you want, you know. Uh, you can borrow it when I'm done, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. come on, man, hurry up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we used to, like, jump on a train uh, and go to Greensboro Plaza, go to Sanity and grab the album. So it was like a yeah. – was a a day out, grab some lunch, yeah, and uh, hang out with your friends and go and get these CDs together. And um, uh, I remember our mutual friend Jared; he had Nirvana's Nevermind uh, before me, yep. And we we got into it together. And then I had to wait till Christmas to get my own copy, and it felt like an eternity. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, um, yeah. No, it was uh, you know you're not just waking up in the morning and getting an email in your. Uh, inbox from the band reminding you that the album's out you actually sought that information yourself you jumped on a train or in the car or whatever and um made the effort to go and get it so that's what it was yeah there was no uh, information superhighway was there it was it was it was you were you're really digging you really had to you know there was so much there was a lot more tangible to it yep and yeah you had the artwork you had the cd booklet and everything like it was just the whole the whole package um and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I still get like that, you know, like I'll, if I love an album, I'll go and buy probably the vinyl these days and um, just, just to have it. I think that's, um, that's becoming more of that trend because, yeah, mm. I think a lot more you know, just people are starting to cotton on more towards the fact that this is a, a possession now, you know, and mm-hmm. it looks, it, it's part of your strategy. Your record player is essentially, the vinyl, record vinyl, whatever you call it, is essentially part of your furniture now. It looks cool. It's a nice big packet, big, yep. big, you know, you know, casing that it, that it comes in. Looks amazing, um, and you know, it, it, you know, it's something you can have on display. It looks great on display in your in your house. You know, like a whole bunch of just kind of CDs flopping around everywhere. Mm. Uh, you got this 
this nice piece of art because essentially that, that's what it is. And uh, people are appreciating that more again. But even just the sound quality on your vinyl as well is is, is so much better as well. You know, you get a good, you can build just you know, again you can build your 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 vinyl setup. You know, the, you know, your pin, your speakers, your amplifier. You, you can customize that so it becomes a bit more hands on again, and the music itself becomes a bit more appreciated because you are appreciating yeah. not just the songs but the actual production and the sound mm-hmm. uh, involved within that recording. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bit of a collection going downstairs. You've probably seen it, um, but I uh, I will probably li- I will probably listen more on Spotify. But I still like to have the record. You know, yeah. Spotify and that is great for for the car because you were probably like me. You had all these broken CD cases and scratch no, CDs yeah. in your car and folders of CDs. It was a nightmare. Um, yeah. But now it's all on Spotify, which is great. But I still like to go and buy the album and have it and know that I've got it and uh, appreciate it in that know, way as well. I know, that, I know that you're still supporting the artist. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, let's get into some blood sugar sex magic so this album was recorded uh between may and june of 1991 at the mansion magician harry houdini once lived in that's correct uh, which was suggested by the producer rick rubin uh he believed it would enhance their creative output and the band basically stayed there for the duration of the recording aside from mr chad smith that's correct. Yes. <laughs> he refused to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> he believed, I think he felt it was, ha- did he say it was haunted? Or yeah, like it probably he felt was. It was. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> he actually didn't live far from there as well. Yeah. So I think he was only about 20 minutes from there. And he had his wife, at, I, I don't know if he's still with the wife or whatever. He was married, I know he was married back then. So it was probably just easy for him to get away and kind of decompress and be away from the guys because I can imagine. Jeez, I, I would hate to be stuck in, 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 a, in a place for a month or two with, with my, you know, as much as I love my mates, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to have a break from them, you know, eventually. Uh, so it probably just worked out better for me that way. But um, I know John felt, John Prashanti felt the same way um, mm. uh, in, in, in that place. He felt there were ghosts, but he felt there were friendly ghosts. Yes, so, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's just, that's just yeah, typical John's brain working. So oh, that's nice. I like, I like that. But, but uh, that mansion, yeah, Harry Houdini lived in there. Yeah, pretty yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, if people haven't seen the doco behind you there, Funky Monks, you get a pretty good, uh, well, you get a great look at the place because um, that sort of shows or documents the recording of the album. And um, it does look like an amazing place to record an album and to, to live there and hang out. But, yeah, Chad Smith thought the place was haunted, so he'd ride his uh, motorcycle there every day. And I think he said it sort of clears his cleared his head every day, which which I understand. I'd probably be like him too. I don't think I'd want yes. to stay in the same place as Flea and Anthony Kiedis and stuff like that. Uh, I'd probably like to go home and get some fresh air myself. And um, Absolutely. But, yeah, riding through the, the holy – I think it's the Hollywood Holy Hills, Hills on yeah. your bike. Yeah, it yep. looks amazing. That- I'd just love to do that anyway. I had a, a big fascination with uh, – with LA and of course you Hollywood, do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, into the whole Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue story. And, uh, you know, the Chili Peppers were a big part of that too. Not the same music scene as such, but that whole LA thing and that whole LA feeling. Um, the vibe, yeah. The vibe. So, you know, since I think the Chili Peppers were the first band to record 
at the Houdini Mansion. And I think afterwards uh, there were more bands that actually went to record there. Um, well, Chili, Chili Peppers went back to record Stadium Arcadium, uh, Audio Slave Out of Exile, Slipknot Volume 3, uh, Linkin Park's Minutes to Midnight, and I think Marilyn Manson recorded at least part of his album Hollywood. Um, yeah, so after Chili Peppers did it there, there were other bands that sort of followed suit and went there too. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you listen to the, uh, the huge production that they pulled out of that place. Jeez, mm. uh, who wouldn't want to check that out? I mean, the production on this album is just so iconic. Everyone yeah. talks. It's just one of those things. I mean, you know, again, you talk about the songs themselves, but then when you dig, dig further into it, you think, man, man this is that, that drum sound, especially that drum sound. My yeah, God, it's man. great. <laughs> man, yeah. if I could have that on my albums, that'd be amazing. It just just a huge sound overall. But again, we talk about the way in which they, they, they created it as well, like with a lot of the soundscapes as well. I mean, because you know, you've got all this massive space in this open, open house. I mean, that allowed that kind of that more kind of, you know, resonant sound, open tone overall. Um, and it's just, yeah, you hear it today and you kind of go, God, it just it, yeah. it, it holds up. It, it, the production is, isn't dated in the slightest. No, the drums sound great, and um, obviously the bass as well, and the guitars as well. I mean, the whole album. But I, yeah, I think you're right. The drum sound doesn't sound dated at all. Um, sounds like a real drum kit. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a real, just a real live sounding drum drum kit. But even like, uh, if you've seen um, the one thing I really love from that from that Funky Monks um uh dvd there is when they're recording a lot of the i guess we call it auxiliary percussion where they're mm. um like you know featured a lot in like breaking the girl when they're playing a lot of these oh, kind yeah. of like tubs and pots or you know um you know big cans and things and they're getting all these crazy effects out of out of it and like the first time i'd i'd seen that i listening to the song like breaking the girl i'd never really heard it before yeah. and you really picked up on it and then when you know you watch the dvd and you're and you see they're doing all this you know this kind of crazy you know adding all this crazy just auxiliary percussion sounds you you go oh okay wow okay okay i hear they're playing it to the song and then you go back and listen to the song on the, on the mm. recording like oh no there it is like wow that's actually really cool the way in which they record it who would have thought of that i'd like to yeah. know whose idea that was because i i can't i can't find um, it could have been a collective mindset, but I'd like to know who said we should do this and this and this to get that. Mm. Yeah, you don't oh, – it is in the mix of the song, but when you go back and watch that DVD and see that scene, you re- realise how much uh, extra percussion, like pots and pans and all sorts of shit they were playing mm. in there, and it sounds great. Like, it sounds awesome. And you can hear that big uh, live room sound, mm. same with Chad Smith just bashing on the drums in various scenes. You can hear how good the drums just sound in those rooms of that and house. And don't forget, yeah, it's in a house. I mean, you go to a, rec- a recording studio. What's the one thing recording studios don't have on their walls? Don't have? Oh, windows. Windows. Yeah, yeah big windows. You're playing, in, you're playing in a house that's got, you know, you try to avoid that. I mean, uh you're trying to, you know, you go to a studio because you want to have a nice, you know, a very secluded kind of, um, mm. you know, sound, you know, kind of you know, get compressing any sort of reflection or overtone, whatever it might be. And this place is just wild. It's just yeah. an open, it is, it is literally just a house 
and they're using every bit of that mm. open overtone, open open soundscape to create this. It's been it's freaking awesome. Yeah, I guess that's the same with. They often talk about John John Bonham's uh, when he recorded his drums at like the bottom of stairs. Uh, I can't remember where it was exactly. I'd have to check that again, but that would have been like an open sort of area similar to the Houdini house at the bottom of the stairs just to get that big drum live room sort of sound. So it's not in a, a dead recording studio with no windows or anything like that. And no vibe whatsoever. I, find mm. it, I do find it amazing that more bands don't like, I mean, we, we know, we understand the magic of this, the magic of getting, you know, stepping outside of the studio and recording in, a you know a house or a hall or even a cathedral or whatever it might be you know the magic that you can create I'm I'm just so I'm so surprised that it isn't actually done more often than than what than, than what we than what we know of and obviously I was recorded this studio that studio this studio whatever uh, but man go, let's go for something bigger let's go for something that doesn't sound or feel as generic as the next album let's mm. go big let's make something unique of this. Because you need to let the drums breathe, don't you? Oh, yeah. like Absolutely. Space and uh, you don't really want a dead room sound. I guess it depends what sound you're going for. You know, not every album is going to want that big open rock sound or whatever. Uh, mm. But I think that's where drums sound their best. And this album proves that. Absolutely. It doesn't sound dated. Um. So before before they started work on this album, the band wanted to free themselves of their label EMI and sought other labels to buy out their deal. Um, while initially dealing with Sony slash Epic, a phone call from Mo Austin eventually led to Warner Brothers, who I think ended up releasing this album. Yep. Um, and then they sought out producer Rick Rubin from there, felting he would be a good producer to oversee their next album. Um, and then, obviously, Rick Rubin invited them to record at the at the mansion um, in the Hollywood Hills, which would have been amazing. And again, the footage out of the Funky Monks DVD, you know, they definitely were living and breathing that album every day, and I think that showed in the final results. Um, but yeah, uh, and their sort of musical style changed from their previous album, Mother's Milk. Are you very familiar with Mother's Milk album? Mother's Did Milk. Did you get into that? <laughs> Mother's Milk is my is actually my favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I, I'm a, I'm a long standing Chili Peppers fan. Like you, if you met me when I was in grade six, 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so everything. Well, at that point, was up to that um, uh, one hot minute album. Yeah, like mm. that were just my that were my life. Red Hot Chili Peppers were my absolute life. I, had, I already had all the CDs. I worked every every summer hour that I could at my parents' supermarket making five bucks. And it was a day or an hour. I think it was an hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I would just piss it away on buying Chili Peppers CDs. That was my, that's where my collection really started to hit when I was 12. Uh, yeah, was it 12? Yeah, 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah but, you're, you're a drummer for those who don't know. I know you've been on the podcast a few times, but. We may have a few first-time listeners. You're you're an amazing drummer in your own right. Now, was oh. it Chad Smith that drew you to the Chili Peppers, or was it just Chad Smith package? Well, I was 
Uh, no, it was it was just the music at the time. I hadn't actually I hadn't played an instrument. I was I was just a probably I was just, I was an air guitarist or an air drummer. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah. I just loved music. I was just a, I was just I, I fell in love with this with. It was a Rachel the Peppers were the first band I could say that I truly fell in love with. Obviously, I had other bands that I enjoyed. I enjoyed listening to you know, Ugly Kid Joe and, and, and the Bon Jovi's and all that kind of stuff back then. But I, I, I fell in love with Red Hot Chili Peppers for the music. Then I fell in love with drumming, and it was mainly from Chad Smith uh, yep. as uh, as the main influencer for me to be a drummer. So that was that, so yeah. So but yes, yeah, so yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, to the question, it kind of yeah, it kind of answered it in in, in in the reverse there. So because uh, it was the music first, and then it was like Red Hot Peppers, the, the, hearing the drumming in the Red Hot Peppers music. So therefore, I owe I still owe all my credit and all my uh, influence to Chad Smith leading me on the path to become a drummer. So yeah. thank you, Chad. <laughs> and that's actually quite common. I've I've known a few drummers that uh, sort of credit Chad Smith as probably their favorite drummer. Yeah. So he obviously has a big influence on the, the drumming community. <laughs> Absolutely. I think <laughs> he's just, because he's cool as well. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. He, he, visually he's a cool drummer. He's, he's got a lot of attitude. He's loud. Yeah. Um, he can play the hell out of the instrument. Uh, he's got sick grooves. It just, yeah. they, it, it's very accessible. You know, I, I don't think any of his playing, it was ever over the top. Yeah. But it was it was it was different enough, you know, from just you know, laying down on the guy could just 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 play, man. And like I said, like when you when you when you see hear him speak in an interview or we just watch him mm. live, just like you just kind of be drawn to him. He's like he's kind of this loud. It's almost like the big friendly giant kind of thing. Like yeah, he's yeah. kind of loud in your face, but he's, he seems very warm at the same time, you know. So I I, I fell in love with that. I was like mm. I, I, this guy. I I want to play. Mum, Dad, I want to learn drums. Drums. This guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's been a long time since I read this. Uh, I reckon I must have been, oh, I don't even know. It must have been, it would have been in my 20s. I can't remember when it was released. But from memory, there was a funny bit in here uh, where they talk about when they auditioned Chad. And I think they were hanging shit on him, weren't they? Like what he was wearing and I think his haircut. Can you remember? It just I sort of came back I, to me then. It's been a while. I I, mm. I know a little bit of that story, but I don't remember this bit. But I'll, I'll let you I'll let you run with it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like Anthony was sort of talking about how Chad turned up, what he was wearing, and his haircut, and they were giving him shit about it. But obviously, when he started playing, you know, it changed everything, and it it didn't matter. But yeah, Chad looks like a pretty cool guy, and I always found it funny in recent years the comparisons of how he looks with Will Ferrell. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta love that. that. They had that. Was it? They had a drum off and everything, didn't they? Yeah, it was on one of those late night shows. Was it Letterman or Fallon or one of those? Yeah, yeah one, of, one those, of those. Yeah, God, it was, God, it was great because, like, yeah. So even even for myself, I'm gonna be, which which one's which here? Yeah, you still you're, you're kind yeah. of uh, you're trying to still trying to figure it out. But and it's funny, like you look at it, like I hate to be uh, the bearer of bad news, but. Uh, yeah, what's um, uh, what's, Will Farrell's drumming was uh, that was all pre-recorded. You could unfortunately, you could unfortunately tell that he wasn't playing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was so cool to watch. Oh yeah. my god, just you just gotta love it again because you got you know, obviously Will Farrell's you know comedian act, uh, com, uh, comedian actor. Sorry, I couldn't get that out then. Um, 
And then, yeah, Chad Smith, obviously, you know, rock star, rock drummer, but he's got such a similar personality, just a fun, you know, just yeah. cool, silly, you know. And he, so, yeah, it, it was so good. Their personalities were so alike. I thought that was great that they did that. And if anyone hasn't seen it, like, jump on YouTube and search uh, Chad Smith and Will Ferrell drum off. And, you know, I think they do a bit of an interview from memory as well. And uh, I think Will pretends to be Chad and that sort of thing. It's just, it's pretty funny. It's very I mean, good. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it was just so good, yeah. So very, just very engaging. That's how I found, I found Chad. He brought me into, you know, and, you know, you talk about influences in your life. Like I talk about, yeah, this album being an influence in my life, but, you know, it, you know a sole member being an influence in my life. I mean, if I wasn't drumming, I, shoosh, I don't know what I'd be doing, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> I wonder. So it, it just takes, you know, that's where, 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 where art, art, music, because it's just such a, uh, has such, um, yeah, drive and influence towards, you know, someone's, you know, I guess career path, you know, and where it can lead you in life. And 30, you know, 30 years, well, for this album, 30 years later, I, heard, mm-hmm. I first heard the album in 95, so I'll say, I'll say 26 years later. Um, I still do it because I think I've got a, I've got a huge uh, – I can't remember if you saw it when you popped over a few months ago, that big Chad Smith Pearl Drums flag that I've got yep. sitting in the corner. I've got that you know, sitting right next to my desk, um, you know, as a basically like a shrine essentially because it, yeah. it's like you know, never forget kind of where, you, where it started you know, when, I, when I see that. I still feel that way, you know, so it's, it's very sentimental, you know, to me. So was Blood Sugar Sex Magic your first Chili Peppers album? My first, uh, ooh, I I believe my first Chili Peppers album. Oh, my first, no, my first Chili Peppers album uh, wasn't really an album. Was was the uh, the what what hits compilation? So okay. that was my first introduction into into Chili Peppers. Yeah, uh, I got that in like nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's around the time. That, would have been around the time it was released. Anyway, I know my man, they just got it for under the bridge, you know, I, I, yeah. that's pretty much, I think, I think that was all I knew um, from the band at the time. And, you know, uh, but listen to the whole thing. Uh, it was amazing. And went from there, I believe after that, I think I ended up getting, I ended up getting one hot minute after yeah. nine, in 1995 that was mm-hmm. yeah that was yeah uh the first thing yeah because that's when i was really starting into now you're hearing all the releases from that album and then after that album that's when i started buying that's when i started yeah really getting into in 1995 was i started buying up the shop basically so mm-hmm. i think i i believe um it would have probably been the second or third because i think i i think i bought um mother's milk and then i'd gotten on to uh Blood sugar sex magic. I think it was a you know it was a price thing at the time. It might have been five dollars yeah. difference. But you know, again, when you're twelve years old making yeah. you know, sweet FA, uh, you know, you just you just buy what you get your hands on. And my my uh, one hot minute was a oh, sorry, my um blood sugar was a, a double disc. It was that. My, I'm, I'm not gonna sell you short here. Um yeah. it was this uh it was called the plasma shaft. Here we go. Oh so and it came with this bonus C D. Oh shit. And it had it was the unreleased tracks on there. And some other stuff. So it had um, and some and some live stuff on there. So uh, you know, mixes of "Give It Away," if you have to ask. Nobody weird like me. Live version. "Sick and Nico," which was an unreleased track. It was actually on the Wayne's World soundtrack. Right. Um, yeah, and just, just a whole bunch of other stuff. So you know, you but it was this, and inside of it was that as well. So it was a nice little right. little little extra. It was good. Never seen that before. So I bought that, yeah, 1995, I bought that. I mean, I haven't seen it. Not that I'm looking for CDs much these days, but um, yeah. I, 
I, I remember buying that back then and never seeing it again. So mm. uh, I'm pretty proud to have that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing. <laughs> I um, actually can't remember what my first Chili Peppers album was myself. Yeah, I was- uh, I've got a feeling it was one hot minute. Um, yeah, there you go. See? Same, same era, you and I. It could have been this, but I've got a feeling it was one hot minute because what was that, 1994 or five, was it? Five, 95, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that, and then I probably went back to this and then obviously Californication um, and so on. Actually, Stadium Arcadium became one of my favourite Chili Peppers albums. It was at a time when I... It was going through some stuff, and I remember it was that album that I just really held on to and um, see the uh, see the second album, which is bloody escaped me. Um, those oh, two albums, I just I lived second, on like their second al- their second album. Yeah, see the second album. Oh, oh see the second album, right? right. See the uh, second album, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. So, uh, with, oh. with remedy and a few others on there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, this is a, a big album and um, it's a big one-to-one pack for us here today. Great. Um, Let's talk. So here. <laughs> this was uh, John Frusciante's second album with the Chilies. Yep. Uh, he didn't play on Mother's Milk, did he? Frusciante? Yeah. Yeah, him he and Chad. That, yeah. that, that's where they were first introduced. Right, yeah. Uh, and he replaced the founding guitarist Hillel Slovak, who passed away from a heroin overdose in 1988. Um, and this was a, a big album full of sexual innuendos and references to drugs and uh, all that sort of cool stuff. And I think that really comes out in the lyrics and the songs, which I uh, definitely appreciate. I and, love it. Uh, yeah, so... What's um, the track? Sorry, the album kicks off with the power of equality. What a great which, song! Uh, yeah, I think it's like the perfect opener for the album. It sort of sets the tone for for the rest of the album. So I think they picked a, a winner there, putting that at the start of the album. No doubt, it's got a great groove of rocks, lyrically fantastic. I remember using that song uh, for one of my year eight um, humanities assignments um, about basically about equality. Uh, mm. I think it was something to do with was it to do with racism? I can't remember what what it was about. Yeah, I what, but I um we had to use a, a song as well. Um, um, uh, you know, p- part of this humanities thing is like you know they said you know it was you know or, you know do a thing and if you can find a piece of art or music or or, or, or clip video clip of something, uh, bring that in. You know, and so I brought the song in as 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 my yeah I guess the anthem to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it attacks uh, racism and equality. Um, and I think they give a bit of a hat tip to Public Enemy in the third verse there where they, the lyrics are like, I've got tapes, I've got CDs, I've got my Public Enemy. <laughs> so a little bit of a hat tip to them, I think, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but I, I really yeah, like the yeah. lyrics. My name is Peace, this is my hour. Can I get just a little bit of power? I, I think that's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. Oh, just so good. Lyr- lyrical poet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a, a great, great opener. And I reckon Flea's bass, I mean, the whole album sounds great, but in that song in particular, I think his bass is just sounds fantastic. Just the way he sort of plays that and, um, uh, you know, sort of lets John do his thing over the top with, uh, Pretty sort of basic guitar part, but um, it is. It is actually a pretty, a pretty, yeah, 
it's just a grooving song. There's nothing really kind of, nothing really kind of, it uh, kind of you know, changes the whole lot in the song. It's just keeping it just to the point, you know, just good, just a good solid set, solid kind of engaging tempo, you know, I guess almost commercial kind of, kind of tempo and structurally nothing wild and crazy, um, but just gets a good message. Cause I remember, I remember hearing it you know, for the first time and going, yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah, I like this album already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, the I wouldn't say the simplicity in the music, like it's not simple, but it gives this song gives a bit more room for Anthony to, to sort of sing over and be a bit more uh, overt with his singing. Uh, That's right. We'll let, that, let that be more of the, uh, the focus yeah. in it, yeah. But still, I mean, the parts that they're playing are pretty, pretty yeah. neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not just basic, you know, yeah, you know, eighth notes and just, you know, basic, Rockwood, there's there's groove, there's purpose. Yeah, yeah, because I think some of the other songs, like I'd imagine as a singer, like it'd be pretty hard to find how to sing over that sort of stuff. So I think you know he's a bit. Um, he hasn't got the greatest voice in the world, but I think um, you know maybe he doesn't get enough credit sometimes to be able to sing over some of that music they put in front of him. Like it's it wouldn't be the easiest music to find a melody to melody to sing to. So I think he does a really, really great job with that a lot of the that's, time on every album. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that whole kind of rap rock kind of thing that, mm. he, that he does there, but you're still going to hold some sort of melody to it as well. It's not just rapping, spitting, spitting bars. You know, he's actually, yeah. he's moving through the music so well, but it seems so natural. I mean, I mean every album yeah. you, you hear up to, you know, from the, big, the first album even, you know, up to that point there, I mean, he just, it just it, it just seems so natural. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's something he's worked on or just, you know, the, you see the way in which he works. He is very much a vibe kind of guy. He's just vibing on mm. it. So, um, he, yeah, he makes it work. He makes it work. Yeah, quite yeah. And, you know, as we see from that documentary, uh, I think he recorded all of his vocals in the bedroom that he stayed at the Houdini mansion there. He was just like by the window there, and yep. um, he just he recorded all his all his uh, vocal takes in there. So he, yeah, and uh, it's good to watch him actually do that, like because he's it's kind of like he's performing live. You know, he's got his hands all over the mic and everything, and um, he's just basically singing live. So I was gonna say that that's one thing. You know, I think a lot of even a lot of you know, producers will say is you know they don't want you to go in there and be all. Mm. jump around and you know kind of move like you are on stage they want you to just kind of just basically just deliver it you yeah. know and i think it does take a lot away from from the yep. from i guess what is essentially an organic process i mean you are mm. used to you have to you've got to feel it you know and those guys are always just always vibing on it you know yeah. he was he was always moving he was he was you know he's moving in and out of the microphone and dancing around it and making it happen and it sounds it sounds fantastic. It sounds like a real singer, you know. Yeah. Get your auto tunes and all that crap there. This is a dude. This is a dude singing top to bottom, mm. you know, in his way. So uh, yeah, all fine by me. <laughs> yeah, I like that's all you want. Re- it was great the way they recorded those vocals because I know from experience, you know, going into a studio, um, not being able to sort of grab hold of the mic and anchor yourself or the mic stand or whatever. Like you just got to pretty much stand still, not knock anything. Uh, it, it can be, oh, it can feel a bit sterile and it sort of, 
uh, takes away from the performance a little bit, I think. So the way he did yeah. it, I thought it was great, and um, I'd actually like to try that myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, just just we relax need, we, a bit and, you know, like just loosen your body up. So we need, You need more real, you know. You need more, why not? You, 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 record, you are recording. This is art. Yes. You know? Uh, yep. You need to, you, as an artist, you need to be yourself. You need to be free. I understand there may need to be some sort of limitation somewhere, um, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, if you if you chop out, you know, even you know, half of what you know, the character and the personality and the individuality of the artist, mm. then then yeah, then that's a result you're going to get. You're going to get a half cup performance. Yeah, so, especially if, uh, yeah. I think I think Rick Rubin was very. I, having said that. Um, I know we'll get past this first song eventually. Um, but <laughs> so I, 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 they were with their last producer um, with the, the Mother's Milk album. That was actually they did kind of play it a bit safe because they were forced to. They were restricted a little bit. I love the album. I think it's I just hands down freaking amazing album. Um, but you know uh, some of the riffs were a bit more simplified because they they want to get you know a big fat tone, a big more metallic tone for for John. Um, uh, even I guess kind of in the way in which you know some of what's his name uh, Kiedis's phrasing was to be done as well. They wanted to play it a bit more safe because they wanted to get a bit more commercial appeal. The album, so they did feel restricted. So I, I think they were happy to kind of break away from that. Um, uh, who was it? I forgot who they were. What, what was the label they were with? Sorry, I've forgotten. Was it? Uh, was it? Was it, it, it EMI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they signed in with with to uh, with, with to uh, to Sony. Um, that's where, and we, so more so the point of Rick Rubin working with Rick yeah. Rubin, he allowed mm. freedom, the freedom to be you, you know. Yeah. So, and you and you see it in there. He was he was he was extremely you know influential, obviously being the producer of that of that recording. But I mean, he was driving that. He was driving yeah. that individuality and letting the guys be the guys. That's they, they just let him be. Yeah. Well, a band like that. <laughs> You wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, Kiedis especially, you know, when I imagine him singing, I imagine him live and he's sort of, you know, all over the mic like we see him do. Uh, so if you tried to put him in a studio, so don't touch the mic, just fucking stand there and sing, you know, you'd imagine it might not come out the way it's supposed to and really no, capture be- what they're about. So... Yeah, he'd be, think, bang, he'd, uh, he'd be busting, you know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I envision him sort of holding the mic like he does live, and you know, he's just fucking laying into the song, sort just of thing. Owns it, just own it. And yeah. that's how, and that's how you should approach it all the time. As long as you're doing, you know, you're doing fly kicks and jumping yeah. across the room, and I mean, come on, yeah, you know, that's that's such an important thing with recording: loose, relaxed, be you, feel it, yeah. you know. And uh, the second track, If I Have to Ask, which sort of plays directly off the ending of The Power of Equality. So there's no, no sort of break, is there? Sort of yeah, so just go straight to that little... Yeah, yeah I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hearing that for the first time, I'm not, not sure if it, had, if it had changed songs. Yeah, but yes, it indeed did. Yeah. <laughs> Such a simple little part. And uh, this was the fifth and final single from the album, which was released in 93. Um, 
And if you hear at the end of the song there where Frushani finishes the solo, you can hear the production crew sort of applauding him. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool. It's, yeah. Again, live. It's, again, there you go. We're talking about yeah. give yourself that live feel. It's like, okay, I've just recorded whoever's in the background there just <laughs> clapping along and, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty cool song. Um, and it's you can, like, tell the fun they're sort of having within this song. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, dare I say all of them were sort of singing that chorus bit in the falsetto voice. Yeah. They're all just standing around together singing it. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised it was a single, actually, this song. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, it was the fifth single. It's actually a great song. I mean, uh, yeah, as a fifth song, yeah, we'll get to the ones that, you know, mm. were prior to that. But, um, yeah, it is a, a, a great groove, catchy song. Oh, it's got, you know, another you know, sexual innuendo is, is pretty much the whole album is. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, just a, a good song with a, a good groove, very commercial sounding, you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the lyrics are. It's just a great sounding song, and yeah, it doesn't surprise me. This was this was. Uh, I could I could see where where it would be the the fifth single um, mm. because the ones that were you know prior to it were definitely absolute ass kickers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, great song. So good good fun, good jam. Yeah, good times. Yep. And the uh, third, <coughs> excuse me, the third track, "Breaking the Girl," which is yeah, it's a classic, and you know. Probably one of my favourite songs, uh, not just off this album, but favourite Chili Pepper songs, you know, it would definitely be in my top ten. It's just a great there you song. Go. Yeah. Um, partly because <clears throat> I really like the acoustic guitar, uh, John's acoustic guitar tone there that he plays. It's just, just a great song. It kind of reminds me a bit of Daughter by Pearl Jam. Like, it's got, it's got no correlation, but just in my mm. thing, just the, just the kind of cool the way the guitars were recorded. Um, yeah, I, I just really like it. And this was the fourth single off the record, uh, which dropped on July 30, 1992. So, and um, like we talked about earlier, you know, in the documentary, you can, they, they sort of show the uh, percussion that they were playing for this song. Yeah, there's a lot of involvement. In the middle of the song there. Yeah. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Even <clears> the feel of the song, I mean, I'm talking from a musical perspective here, yeah, like the feel is in, is, is in, a, in like a 6-8 feel, like a triplet okay. kind of feel. There's a little bit of all the extra stuff going on. I remember you know, studying this song back back in the, uh, the mm. old days and going, oh, that's an, okay, that's just an interesting feel. And the way in which he's phrasing his vocals as well is really moving. Um, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, or just you know, vocal phrasing in general is just, yeah, so kind of smooth the way it is. With I think the drums, are, the drums are pretty involved in it. There's a lot of a mm. lot of just the actual drum set itself that is, uh, with kind of the big fills that are going on in the song. Um, it's very syncopated and, and bounces around a lot. That's why I was like, yeah, sure, I remember trying to figure out what's the actual time signature of this song, you know? And yeah, it was like, oh, okay, it's in it's in a six eight or twelve eight kind of feel there. So yeah, worked through. And then yeah, 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 got the drums to be adding. Yeah, we're talking prior all that extra percussion and like, like I said, I hadn't really hadn't stood out to me until I'd seen that, uh, the, you know, the, the documentary there. Mm. So it's got so many highlights and so many layers of stuff happening. It's very, it's a very unique sounding song. I think you know? so. Yeah. Especially with that, with that acoustic, you know, going on in there, it's layers upon layers and it's a huge sounding song, but everything kind of just sits so well. And it's interesting too, like the the bass line under that acoustic guitar, 
just the way Flea makes that work underneath the acoustic. Uh, and they really, really gel together well, those two parts. If you, if you listen to the bass under the acoustic guitar, it's, um, it's pretty amazing what he's doing. Like, I can't imagine any other bass player would sort of think to, just to like, do that sort of part. It's, it's about having a sense of melody rather than just yeah. kind of wanking off. And that's the thing. That's what it's about. He's making, he's, he's playing to within the, you know, within, within the scale or to the mode, whatever it is that, that, that he's doing and riffing on it without it just, just, you know, sounding, you know, a lot of, like you're saying, like someone else, you know, depending on who else it could have been, could sound you know, pretty mushy or mm. just overdone and out of place. But he's just, yeah. everything he does sits so well to, to, to accommodate it. Yeah, it's right in the pocket, and uh, pocket. That's it. you know John's guitar is sounds pretty loose, like it's a very open sounding guitar, and I think that's why I was sort of making reference to Pearl Jam's daughter, like it just sounds like a very open sort of acoustic guitar sound. Uh, but yeah, Flea fits right in the pocket underneath that, and it's it's pretty pretty amazing. So with the six eight timing, like how how do you work that out? Can you can you explain that? To us, oh, it's basically <laughs> so it's like well, if I'm going to go to to, to bare bones, it's uh, six. Uh, you're playing uh, six six eighth notes for the bar, so it's basically I'm, I'm you're counting it like basically it's that one two three four five six one two three four five six and turn and turn and you're feeling the burning you're breaking right. the go that's it and then obviously like, obviously there's there's you know, a bunch of triplets and sixteenth notes being thrown over it, so it's you know yeah, a bit more complex than just kind of counting to, to, to the meter there, but it's that you know that, it, like a triplet. It's essentially a triplet feel. But there you go, something like that. So it's a, okay. essentially like a like a triplet ballad kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So okay. you, you can split into subdivisions of three if you want to. Yeah. One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. It's great. Yeah. I don't think they have. I, I don't think they have many. Oh, I'm putting myself on the spot here. I might, might be jumping the gun, but I don't think they have many songs in that time signature. So right. uh, that's why I think it's a, quite a unique song. Lyrically, maybe not because it's just yeah, sex uh, again. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, musically, it's it's very very involved. I think lyrically, um, I was looking at that earlier. Uh, <clears throat> Ketus wrote the lyric about Carmen Hawk, a model that he dated, and uh, again, like if you read read this, he talks about a lot. Of, a lot about the girls that he's dated. Um, and this song describes a tumultuous breakup um, as he severed their relationship, thus breaking the girl. Um, not that she did anything wrong. He just had to cut her, cut her loose. So <laughs> that's what this song's kind of about. Um, well, I yeah, figured it, it from another perspective, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. But uh, definitely one of my favorite chili songs. And, uh, Highly recommend checking out the documentary again just to see this scene where they're sort of belting on all the percussion pots and pans. And what did they have in there? It was pots and pans. It was sort of hard to make out some of the. They had the thing just that, all, yeah. Like, just they had like an engine block in there or something. I don't know. The thing that, yeah, because because it's really kind of. The thing that flees kind of smacking around, it, it, you can't really tell because the camera's like just kind of so up close. Yeah. And just, you just see this whole this big, like just like a big cylinder of some sort. I don't know. And just, yeah. And just beating the shit out of it, and it's just boom. So you really hear those on the record. That's one thing that probably stood out more. Mm. But all the other undertones are going, ding, 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 you know, that kind of stuff there. Like that's the stuff I hadn't really 
I hadn't really picked up on until I'd seen the DVD and listened to the scene, listened to the recording. So, mm. uh, yeah, just random metal. We'll call it that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of cool that they did that. It was similar Shrapnel. to uh, uh, Spoonman with oh, Garden. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. they had it like a uh, – what was it? I think some guy on the street in Seattle that just sort of plays this percussion-y spoons and things. I'd have to read up again on this, but I think they actually brought him in and recorded him in that song and he even gets that's a bit cool. of a solo in the yeah. middle of the song there, which is oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So, you know, percussion can come from from anything, as you would know as a drummer. Like, you can use pretty much anything, yeah, really, to give it a bit of extra flavour and, and taste, which is kind of cool. Um, Doesn't matter what you hit, mate. If you can make, if you can keep it in time, you can get some some sound and some dynamic out of it. Yeah, it's like I say to my students: as long as you've got something to hit, you've got no excuse not to practice. True. Yeah. <laughs> Even just your legs, you know. That that, that there you go, or, man. Or a table, which I get in trouble a lot from my co-workers yeah. at work. You know. I'm oh yeah. <laughs> You're all, all about it. Well, that's yeah. it. You know? And yeah, I mean, look, so so many recordings, you know, used suitcases or you know the walls. You know, mm-hmm. whatever it might be for, for, for actual sound or effect, you know. Uh, so it just, yeah, no excuse. If you've got someone yep. to hit, you are, you're a music, you're a drummer. There you go. You're, you're a musician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's it. And uh, cool. getting your feet, getting your feet working on the kick drum and the hi hats, another, another story. That's something I can't do. <laughs> so I'll, get, I'll um, give you a couple of lessons when we open up. Okay. I would love that actually. I would love that. Wonderful. <laughs> track number four. What do we got for track number four? Number four. Oh, uh, is it? I could have. Oh, I'm trying, I haven't got the list in front of me. Is it, I could have lied. Is that the number? Funky number Monks. Oh, Funky, Funky Monks. Monks. Oh, how silly yeah. of me. Yeah. I should actually just get this uh, track listing up. That'll probably make it a bit easier for me. Uh, yeah. Cool as. There we go. Actually, this yeah. this album. I was. I realised if you played me a couple of the songs off this album, I wouldn't be able to guess the name of it. Oh, okay. I think because it's such a big album, such a vast album, there are a couple of songs on there. It could be just that I haven't listened to this album properly for a while. Um, There's a lot to digest, I, I, yeah. understandably. You know, like even yeah. sometimes I get I get some of the um the titles confused with with other songs on on this on this one. But uh, yeah. but uh, this one definitely uh, Funky Monks. or there are no monks in my band. Yeah, it's a great, it's a good one. Yeah. Yep. So what do we got to say about this song? Which one is it? Can you hear that? Probably can't hear that, can you? I can hear a little something, yeah. Yeah, funky as. It is. <laughs> Hence the title. That's it. It's a bit of a brother, brotherly song, this one, isn't it? Yeah, makes sense. Hmm. I don't know much about this one, admittedly. <laughs> now, was this one actually a release? I'm not sure if this one was. This one, this one wasn't a release. I don't think a single. No, don't a single. So yeah, yeah. No, no. But uh, yeah, funky, funky as, and probably not one of my favourites off the album personally. Which is oh, why I love it. Got nothing. To, yeah, but it's essential to the album. So yeah. you know, I, definitely... I, I think it's just, when I when I hear this one like, again, this is in my head as well. You know, like. Any any song you listen to, if it's kind of lyrically what what it means to you as someone, I always look at this one as kind of like you know, well they are the Funky Monks. That's their kind of that's their brotherhood. And basically, when they were recording this album, that's what they were. They were in yeah. this isolated. They were just monks living in isolation. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess yeah, creating yeah their own you know, 
uh, inner peace, you know, or finding inner peace through said album. So mm. uh, that's how I look at it anyway, and that's what they were. They are the four funky monks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were very young during the recording of this. John was like, is he early twenties? John, I think he, I think he was. 21? I think he was twenty. Yeah, around 20? that. Um, the other guys, I know Anthony was about uh, late, was late twenties. I think about twenty eight. Oh. Um, I can't speak on the other guys, um, but mm. I think Chad would have been. A, I think Chad was a bit, bit younger. But yeah, look, they were, you know, in the in the twenties. Mm. Uh, yeah, pretty. Oh man, I wish I wrote something that's cool when I was in my twenties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doing all these al- all, all these album classic albums and finding out the age of these people, they make me feel so useless. <laughs> I know, me too, man. Like, uh, I... so it's, well, like we were talking about bloody uh, like the New Jersey album, you know, yeah. and you know, writing that album and having a tour of the world and having to be bloody political advocates traveling mm. to Russia, you know, it's like, oh my yeah. god, what the hell was I doing at twenty five or twenty six? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I found out Slash was like, oh, he was about 22 when he recorded Appetite for Destruction. I mean, seriously, come on, you know. It comes yeah. a lot with, it, it does come a lot with, um, I guess, your upbringing as well. I mean, mm. like these guys are seeing a lot of this stuff at very young ages and they brought up a lot through it too, you know, yeah. and, and even, you know, whether it be through a lot of hard times as well and, you know, being in and out of, you know, possibly being in and out of out of homes, you know, on the streets, wherever it might be. Yeah. Um. You know, so they've they've had, you know, or to a more, you know, influential side of growing up in a studio around music because of their parents being musicians and artists and theatre cats themselves. You know, wherever mm. it might be. So you're seeing that through that. I mean, what do we do? We went to school and learnt music, and then yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> that's it. You know, different uh, lifestyle. Different lives, and that's what it is, and, and, and I think that's what what you what you make of it there. So yeah, but yeah. but yeah, Funky Monks anyway is just one of those songs. I think it's, it, I think it is about the boys, about about all them and and their uh, their togetherness. Uh, yep. which, yeah, so, yeah, that's what I think. Yep, if anyone's yep. got another answer out there, uh, please uh, consult uh, this podcast. Yep. Box on the wire. Yeah, so. Box on the wire at gmail dot com. Hit us that up. one there. There you go. Um, now the next track, track number five. One of my favourites. Yeah, we're talking. Suck my kiss. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why is it one of your favourites? Uh, I think like the band just sounds tight. Like they always do, but obviously some songs bring that out a little more, just the way the riffs are constructed and that sort of thing. But I wouldn't say it's heavy, but it, it's punchy, this song. And I just I really appreciate that punch. Um, Particularly like the way they alter the the stabs after each chorus. Mm. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, like each chorus is a. I think the first one's got three stabs. Dun dun dun, ah, uh, dun dun dun, and then the next one to uh, yeah. I'm not explaining it very well, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. Very. Uh, Got to have that. If I see a cover band doing that. You got to make sure hey, I'm, I'm watching you. Yeah. <laughs> you make sure you all have the correct <laughs> ones. All right? yeah. Don't put, don't butcher what we love. All right. So yeah, but it's, it's cool. Yeah, I love at the towards the end of um yeah yeah spot on. That, that that's a really good you know kind of musical dynamic pickup you just mentioned. Then yes. Um, don't. Yeah, you go. You go. Oh, I was I was going to say this was this was one of the first songs I ever wanted to learn on drums. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Uh, 
I remember you know, having my drum lessons and just learning how to play, you know, really learning the, at the time the, the basics of drumming. Uh, cause it was my first year. It was my first year learning, learning drums in, in 1997. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, being in love with the, with the band. Uh, and you know, I took it to my drum teacher uh, on cassette. I had to record it from CD, you know, tape record it from CD to cassette. Cause he only had a cassette yep. player in his, in his room. I said, Oh, can we, can we try and learn this song? And he's sitting there transcribing all this song, you know, uh, and I'm looking at a whole bunch of note values and rhythms that I've that I haven't learned yet, you know, a bunch of, you know, you know combo eight to 16s and whatever it might be. I'm thinking, I think it might be a little bit, <laughs> at the moment, I might be a little bit in over my head here, uh, trying to understand this. But, um, but it was good. It set me a challenge to kind of learn these kind of these rhythms faster. And, and I guess that was it kind of validated kind of where I was going as far as, you know, my, my love for what Chad was doing because it was like, wow, this stuff on paper looks really complicated. So I'm really going to, I'm really determined to, to try and understand these, these, these rhythms and these values uh, and voicings, you know, around the drum kit as, you know, as best as I can. It was inspiring, you know, so just yeah. to show that, you know, the quality of, you know, of the band. And like I said, nothing, no, nothing simple here. This is all, yeah. this is all funky business. I guess for me, like, I was always more into riff-related music, you know, Metallica and that sort of thing. Um, and this song in particular, Suck My Kiss, was more of a riffy sort of song. So straight away I sort of um, related to it. Um, not that I don't appreciate the other songs and the guitar work that John does, but mm. this one was a bit more riff-orientated and it was a bit easier for me to wrap my head around it. Um, but yeah, I love how it's really sort of punchy. Um, you know, the bass and the guitar just sound like one together. They sound amazing. And this was a third single from their album. And I think the video, um, was a mashup of footage from the Funky Monks. Yes, documentary. yes it is. Funky yep. Monks documentary. Yeah. So yeah, no, love this song, and uh, I think Anthony Kiedis explained to Rolling Stone that um, the sexual over- overtures in this song were meant positively rather than crudely. So, a romantic sexual song, maybe. Oh, Anthony mm. Kiedis, the romantic, eh? Yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, killer song. Uh, and this was one song I think where you'd have to get the tempo right. Like this is one of those songs that I think by accident you could easily play it a lot faster and it might sort of kill the groove of the song. But I think yeah, they got the nah. tempo. It's actually quite quite slow in a way if you think about it. I, I just, imagine playing this song faster myself for some reason. Yeah, no, nah, you, you want to let it sit. Yeah, it's, it's about it's, it's tempo in a lot of songs. Is, is such an important is, is such an important thing and yeah um you know too fast too slow you know it's, it's about getting it just right yeah you look at like you know like with metallica you yeah. know like uh uh what was song I'm trying to think which song it was now was it uh sad but true sad but true yeah james wanted to really kick that thing up and yeah. kick really kind of you know chunk up the tempo on it but then when they kind of brought it back to what you hear as the recording as it is now um, yeah. or, or and forever will be. Um, uh, it's like, yeah, that that's how it should be. You got too fast. It sounds a bit silly, you know. Some mm-hmm. things can sound a bit rushed and a bit, and just yeah. the, the song loses itself. So, uh, yeah. So this song, great groove, great feel, great tempo. Everything falls into place nicely. Everything's great. 
Spot on. What a song. Huge song. Huge song. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a third release, you said? Third single, yeah. Third yep. single, sorry. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when was it released? I think it was in 1992. Uh, I think it reached the top 10 in Australia from what I can read. So, yeah, killer song. Absolutely. Yeah. Killer song. One of my favourites. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was one of, one of the first I ever wanted to learn, so it was definitely one of my big influences, yeah, as yep. a musician. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what do we got up next? One of the more slow, kind of more lower, yeah. very more acoustic. Oh, there's, there's drums in there too. So about just more kind of slower. Uh, I could have lied. Yep, yep. So yeah, not a not a lot of funk in this song. No, no, it's just very much just very kind of slow ballady. Not one of my favorites on the album. I, mm. uh, I still listen. I still listen to. Uh, when I was, when I listen to this album. I still go from start, start to finish. I just, I just, yeah. I, I like, I like. I guess the story of everything, but um, yeah. So, but yeah, but not a uh, not one that many people would talk about. This one, <laughs> nah. I really probably my favourite part of this song. I, I like John's acoustic guitar, uh, but I also like his um, guitar solo. It's like sort of dirty sort of guitar sound, and um, I think he's, you can just sort of hear his soul coming out in that solo. It's just one of those really John drenched soul solos, I think. Oh, of course. Uh, so that's probably my favourite part of the song. But of yeah, course, yeah. Bit, bit different to the rest of the album. It, it is, yeah. It really takes a, it's just a real kind of downturn. Mm. Well, not downturn, but you know, it's really just, it's just kind of coming down for a sec, let's just say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, uh, what do we got up next? We've got Mellow Ship Slinky in B major. Oh, Man, first time I heard this track, oh, man, I was like, yeah, that's, that's all I could think was, yeah, I'm in love with like just the first little, the first little, um, that bam, 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 I'm like, oh, oh, put me on the next train to Funk City, my yeah, god, yeah, 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 that's all I had. Everything in again, it's just another one of those songs where everything just kind of comes comes together nicely as far as you know, your tempo, your feel. Add a little bit of piano, please plays a little bit of some, some little little kind of piano hits in there. Um, just yeah, funky to no end, basically with this one. What's with the uh, what's with the title? Do you know much about the title? I, absolutely not. No, I haven't no. gone into that. Yeah, I never went to that far into into that there. Because I don't think it's actually in B major, from what I've read. It's actually <laughs> in D minor. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's maybe yeah. a little. Bit of a bit of tongue in cheek, mellowship, slinky, and B major. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Nothing kind of yeah. Nothing much kind of say about the song, but just you, know, you talk about you know, even like the um, what's he playing? Is it a strat? He's a strat that Sharpie plays, isn't it? Yeah, a Telecaster. Or is it a Telly? Telly. Yeah. yeah, I think he mixes it up, but yeah, I think it's. Hmm, I can't remember from the documentary now. Could be a tel- uh, Strat, I think. You might be right. Yeah, yeah, I know he loves his Fender, so that probably could have been yeah. A, yeah, a bit of a mash of both. But, yeah, yeah. hearing is like, yeah, it, Flea's bass on this is actually is just really just dominant in this one. He, 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 where he lays down his grooves in this one here. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I, was, I was listening to the album today. I was I caught up with a mate today. I, was just driving, I had the album just going on, and I always look forward to hearing this song just kind of come up because he just kind of 
sit back and just kind of you can you can't help but just kind of bob your head to it because <laughs> it's just got a great great touch overall you know dun, so, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. it's yeah, musical it's that's what it is that, yeah, that's yeah. what you look for in songs i mean you take kind of if you're taking kind of lyrics out of something i mean uh, i mean I, I mainly you know for me i mainly listen to the the musicality of it rather than than, than the vocal side of it you know you have, to, you have to sell me on a big chorus just the music can, can just be you know the way the song moves can be good enough and it's got all the hits and the dynamics on there chad plays mm. a lot of his kind of funk you know big hits with a lot of his kind of ghost note you know, you stop the snare hits on there, keeps everything kind of cool. All those dynamic catches that, you know, that go with the drums and, you know, the guitar and the bass and all that kind of stuff there. Awesome solo. I love the, the solo. I don't know to call it a solo. Um, trying to, would you call it a solo that's in the song? Uh, I'll call it a solo. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, it's just, it's pretty on um, that. that um, it's almost a bit country really isn't it yeah the way he's going those little 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 slides as well like yeah Yeah. without the the, um what do you call it it's called a slide isn't it that thing yeah yeah yeah. so yeah just got a cool feel to it yeah Mm. that's pretty much how i roll with this track man yeah so um (laughs) i think many many other chili fans would feel the same way Yep. No, it's a very Chili Peppers song. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what you want, yeah. 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 Just rolling with it. And the what next song, it? The Righteous and the Wicked. Oh, you skipped cool. a little – oh, hang on. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you, no, you're spot on. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's cool, as. Yeah. It's one of your favourites, uh, is it? Oh, uh, not one of my favourites, no. No, it's a, definitely a great track, and I love the the sort of – breakdown in the middle with the guitar riffing and how John adds in some harmonies and stuff like that. So yeah, pre- again, really cool musically this song. Um does he sing the chorus? Is that John singing that? Yeah, like that like kind of um I'm trying to think. He does the the like the falsetto I think he does it he, he does, oh, I'm not too sure. I think he does he, I know he does the falsetto vo- vocal um all those la la la's song. That's Oh, oh yeah. is that John? Oh, is that John or is that Flea? <gasps> oh, I can't remember. I thought it was John. I can't remember. Actually, you know what? It's on the DVD, so uh, I have to go back and check that out. Yeah. Again, baseline, cooking. Love it. Yeah. You know, we talk about the theme of, you know, the album being... Uh, Set, you know, you know, l- lyrically being a you know sex sex induced you know lyrical album, mm-hmm. man. Just the feel of the music. There's so much like that's got a sexy feel to yeah. it. Yeah, there's a lot of sexy <laughs> feel. I guess a lot of fun. I guess that's what kind of funk is about, isn't it? Yeah. Now let's get you know, let's get funky. You know, what is that? You know? <laughs> What's the meaning behind let's get funky? You know, that's what yeah. funk music was about. And you yeah. got that. You got that whole funky funky vibe going on. You know. Funky, mm. sexy, yeah, yeah, vibe running throughout every, you know, all the tracks here. So, especially on this next track, which is obviously a, a favorite of yes. most. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Give it away now. That's right, man. What, what a, a huge track. Oh, um, yeah. Hearing this for the first time, you know, back, you know, back in the good old days. Um, and yeah, you know, when you're a kid listening to this stuff, it's kind of like, you. <laughs> Just yell and give it away, and you know what? I got you. Got to give it to your mama. You know, it's like you know, you're just singing. You're just saying words. Yeah. I had 
I have no idea what they're on about. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you start singing the words out loud, out loud and then you, your mum pulls you up on it, yeah. uh, it's like, what are, you, what are you saying? They're like, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just singing a song, you know. Give, give, <laughs> what, give what exactly? Oh, yeah. God, I don't know. Yeah, he's like, oh, you feel kind of, cr- you, you kind of cringe. I think like, oh, dude, I just didn't know better. <laughs> but again, uh, like for, for Anthony Kiedis to come up with a melody as catchy as he has, you know, under a bass line like Flea's playing, that's yeah, the driving force, isn't it? That bass is, is really the driving force of the track, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, great music video, which was directed by a French filmmaker, Stephanie uh, Sinawawi or something. <laughs> I can't even yeah. pronounce it. But, I'll, I'll uh, leave that to you, yeah. Yeah, it got heavy rotation on MTV, obviously, and uh, I still remember seeing the video back in the day, and it was crazy. It's still crazy to watch now. It's a, it's a great video, and it really <laughs> suits the song. Attitude gets out what the chili peppers are about. Absolutely, yes. But uh, yeah, just this whole song, you know, each each part, um, whether it's John's backward guitar solos, which are really cool, great idea. I don't know whose idea that was. Mm. Um, Obviously, uh, Flea's bass line, Chad's drums, Anthony singing. Melody. It's just so, it's just so, such a cool cool thing hearing you know, hearing that because you, you don't really I guess in a commercial standpoint you don't really kind of hear like like it's always a guitar you know you always hear like oh it's a guitar riff everyone's you know loving a guitar riff or even yeah. the drum groove but this yeah this is this is actually a song where I think all the, the guitars and the drums sound freaking hot yeah. as well there's some great grooves all around but it is the driving force of the bass in this song it's it's, a, it's that. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's interesting. I like that. Yes, yeah. You're not just sitting on, not just, yeah. Again, it's Flea. Flea Flea wouldn't put himself into 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 a a spot of compromise. That's the thing. You know, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna lay his way, and he's gonna and he's gonna make sure you enjoy it. And we all we all did. Everything was very appealing uh, with that track. And what which number release was that, Mister Craig? Uh, single. Oh, this was their lead single, which it was actually released before the album. Um, September fourth, nineteen ninety one. They released right. this. So okay. it was yep. about cool. twenty cool. days before the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, but yeah, this is it's just a fucking cool song and Hell of a cool lead video. Yeah. And whenever I picture Flea playing bass, it's him playing bass in this song. The way he's just leaning into it. Taking up the whole neck, uh, <laughs> up and down the neck. It's just crazy. It's great. Just loose and free. Yeah, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's, it's just love about it, man. It's like ah, oh, it's just so cool to look at, and you know they they mean it. There's so much purpose in their in their in their in their movement, their mannerisms, the way yeah. in which they 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 are they are truly one with their instruments, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, have to be one of the best tracks on the album, I'd say. I know it's it's a popular track too, you know, like Smells Like Teen Spirit and that, so most people yeah. know it, but it is truly a, a top track, I reckon, and, you know, Flea definitely drives this song with his bass, but uh, everyone everyone else fits in there as well, you know. Uh, and the way Kiedis sort of sings, give it away, you know, with the vibration of the tongue and stuff yeah. like that, it's great. Yes. Can you do so, that? Yeah, I think Can so. Can you roll your tongue? <laughs> give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. You got it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Oh, I love it. 
Beautiful. Yep. No, kill, kill, kill a track. Um, yeah. Yep. Great song. Just a Absolutely. great song. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's probably why they, they led with it as their lead single. I don't know who made that call. Yeah, it's 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 it, 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 it's it is definitely an ass kicker. You know, you mm. can hear it. You can hear the commercial appeal, like you can with pretty much more than half the songs on this. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of songs on this album that could have been could have been releases. You know, I think five's enough. But um, yeah, uh, but no, it's definitely got the one that just it just kind of yeah, it, it's the chorus again. We, it, it's got it's the chorus appeal of the song because you could just you could just keep saying give it away, give it away now, or like you know just. The way it works, it's just anyone can scream it out, and it's just it's fun. It's almost it's almost a bit of an arena rock appeal to it, you know. Yeah, and that's actually where Flea uh, sort of almost drops out in the chorus. You know, he just does it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Chorus before the. Yeah, he's he's very light in the chorus because he's so heavy in the verses. That's right. Yeah, because just it's just yeah, a lot of just drums and vocal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it just really kind of overpower. Yeah, just really opens up for for Anthony to sort of sing his part. So it was really cool how they constructed that. Mm, beautiful, yeah. beautifully done. Well done, song. fellas. Well done, <laughs> fellas. Off yeah, that's off here. Well done. <laughs> and, uh, awesome, the next <laughs> next song is the title track, "Blood Sugar Sex Magic." It is what um, it is. It, oh, excuse me. This is probably one of the heaviest songs on the album. I guess you'd say. Um. Really loved John's wah wah pedal on this song. Oh, very sexy. Um, but this is this is a really cool song. I think this is one of my favourites. Um, and I guess maybe one of Anthony's more aggressive sounding vocals. Yeah, he's got to really got to bring his voice down mm. on this one. Almost like just talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, great, yeah, great tune. Really, but yeah, but yeah, when it gets to that chorus though, it just kind of mm. kicks you in the chest, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, kind of heavy. I think you know, it at is. least in terms of this album. Yeah, yeah, it's just because this is kind of just a real solid groove going on for the majority of the song. Um, mm. Even the yeah, like the guitar solos got a, got a real. That's a solid. Tw- but what do we call a solo or a lead break? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what the terminology is. Um, yeah. He does it a couple. Of, yeah, that's happened a couple of times in the song there. Um, yeah, a real. Yeah, a real section that's a real sway to it. Yeah. 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 Definitely get their point across with this one. Yeah. Uh, again, each each part is all over this song and it's definitely one of my favorites off the album. And um I'm assuming they had the name of this track before they decided to call the album the same thing. I think yep. they were struggling to actually find a name for the album, weren't they? Um not too sh- not too sure. You got you got you got, you got something there? Uh, I think uh, I remember reading. I think that Anthony Kiedis and Rick Rubin were driving, and they were talking about titles for the album. And um, I think Rick sort of just said, you know, "Blood Sugar Sex Magic" just sums up what the album is about, mm. something like that. Oh, no, uh, that's, uh, sorry, I apologise. He does, yeah, he does mention that on the yeah on, on Funky Monks on the uh, on uh, that. yeah. Basically, yeah, the whole aura of what you know, they are, essentially what they are all about. Yeah. Yeah. Lust-driven so. young men. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think. Oh, mate, you listen. You listen to Prashanti on the on that on that doco, and like he's doing through his interviews, and yeah. he's just like, like yeah, I know he's a bit of a space cadet. Yeah. But just the way he relates to everything, everything mm-hmm. with him is is all about 
you know, that kind of whole, you know, lust, intimacy, mm. um, you know, how he becomes one with some, not just someone, but how he's basically making love to the music that he's writing, yeah. you know. And he'll avoid masturbating if he thinks that's going to get in the way or yeah. something like that. So it's, it's all that uh, <laughs> he's, he's definitely got a way, a way of how he approaches things. And, you know, yeah. it's funny, even at the end, the way, the way he, uh, he talks about it, about like the whole, that whole process, you know, it was like being with, you know, one woman the whole time, Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> now of course something's have to come to an end and on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, so not exactly the words he uses, not, 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 not exactly the way he says it, you know, so, but he kind of uh, he drives that point of, you know, that this was, this was one big, beautiful, you know, intimate experience. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, now what the fuck do I do? Yeah? I have to move mm-hmm. to the next one now, you know, to the next thing. So, yeah, <laughs> I love it. He's yeah, definitely been a space cadet, but we love him for it. Very interesting to hear him talk. Uh, He's got that genius thing about him, doesn't he? Like, uh, he's quite an enigma. Spiritual sort of genius. Um, yes. And a lot of his solo stuff is really amazing too. A lot of his solo albums are, are great. Probably years ago I had to learn one of his songs. Uh, I had a, uh, a, a recital one from my, from my music course. Uh, and like it was just it was strange, like because I'd only ever known him from Chili's type of stuff. And the guy gave me the the recording of this one, so I can't remember the name what the name of the song was. Um, but I had the whole CD. It's amazing how much like electronic stuff he had on his mm. recordings. Like it was mainly electro with guitars. Yeah, I was like, this is not what I expected. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just, just one of those back. sort of one of those guys, one of those artists that wherever the music takes him, it takes him. He's not really going to constrain himself to anything in particular, which I appreciate. He's a pure mm. artist. That's it. Nothing gets yeah. in the way. He's, he's feeling something, you know, yeah. he's going to express it. That is, yeah, he's built on, built on feel, heart and feeling, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, and yep. a lot of drugs. So, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let, let, the man, let the man roll. I'm, I'm so bloody, so bloody happy that he, he's, he's back with the chillies, man. When I heard he was coming back, I like, Yes, yes. That's his um, third time coming back? It is, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was great when he came back. Oh, look, I mean, I, I was wrapped to hear him. We had to obviously wrap to hear him and come back for Californication. Mm. Uh, I'm probably one of the few Navarro lovers, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Navarro, he's an awesome dude, you know, Jane's Addiction and all that. Um, uh, I, liked, I liked what Navarro had, had, had done on, on um, what I mean. I think it was more to do with Navarro. Uh, he, he just he was in the band. He did his thing, but it, it was never going to be a long term thing. I, I don't think so. Now to have John back to come back and you know uh, and be part of that driving force again that that's just just a beautiful thing. And I was sad when he left again, and yeah. now I'm, you know you know jumping for joy when I heard that he was coming back again. So again, yeah. again, again, yeah. again, yeah. bring it on, man! Can't wait for this next recording. I hope it's yeah. there. Yeah, oh, I, I need a good one. I didn't like the last one, so uh, yeah, let's see what they can do on, on this new one. What was the last one? Was that um, on the Getaway? Oh, what was it? Was it called The Getaway? Oh, I don't think I even... I, I'm With You came out uh, a few years prior to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 2011, On With You. That was my last Chili Peppers. Jeez. I don't think I've even listened to The Getaway. 
Yeah, I, I, I was, I remember, I know we're not, I know we're talking about you know, this other album now, but yeah. I just remember sitting, I remember my wife and I going, going up to Bendigo um, uh, for my, for her brother's 40th and we stayed up there the night. Uh, the next day uh, the album had, had released. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, fantastic. You know, we're going to from Bendigo back to Melbourne. We're going to put this album on in the car and uh, yeah, great. We got listed all the way from Bendigo to home. Yep. And three songs in, I had to. I, I couldn't listen to it. Uh, so I'm just, oh, this is. I am bored. This is boring. Oh no! It is boring the hell out of me. This this CD on oh, Spotify. The stream is, is 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 boring me. So I know a lot of people liked it. I mm. I couldn't dig it. I I wasn't feeling it. And and a lot of the time it is just to do with. I think it is to do with what Prashanti has. As I am like with Bon Jovi and Phil X. You know, it's yeah, yeah. like it's not said. I I I know what I. I know yeah. where the chemistry really lies, you know? So, yeah, some bands, you know, changing members works, but you know, this, this didn't, didn't sit with me. So, yeah. Especially Frushanti. I mean, when he came back for Californication and then, by the way, after that, Stadium Arcadium, he was all over those albums. Yeah. Like, he was, like, vocally as well. Mm. Um, so to pull him out, I actually thought I'm With You was a good album. Uh which was my last, and that sort of shows how long it's been since I've sort of listened to the, the Chili Peppers mm. properly. So I totally missed the getaway, totally missed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, are they, are they working on something now? Indeed they are, yes. Oh, they're beautiful. Awesome. So, so let's, uh, let's see what they can, what they can do, eh? Yeah. Uh, let's see if they've got any, uh, you know, logic of sex magic in them, yeah? Yeah, I'd love yeah. To hear some, uh, yeah, why not? Bring it on. Give it to the people. Give it to the. We want this stuff, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, kick us, we need kick, it. Kick our asses with it. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, let's let's get on to the next one, eh? All right. What what do we got up next, Mister Looch? All right. Well, this is one that we all know too well. It is a really freaking great song, and it is the one that got that well introduced me to this to this amazing band. Under the bridge. Under the bridge downtown. Yep. Man, this song, uh, you know, for me, you know, personally hearing this song, I, I think for a lot of us as well, like, you know, it was, it was such a big song in Australia. Mm. Um, I'd probably say it's probably their biggest song, song biggest song to date. Uh, yeah. uh, and it's like a song that just carries so much, so much meaning, you know, okay, finally it breaks away from, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the, 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 I guess, the, you know, the, the sexual um, uh, theme of, of, of the album and, and that's a bit more uh, as well, as Anthony Kiedis describes it as a well, he calls it a salad, you know, a ballad or a sad ballad, um, <laughs> as most ballads are sad, yeah. Because uh, of just basically what the, the whole story is behind it, um, yeah. es- essentially, like the whole, uh, uh, I guess, going down, you know, he when he was pretty much down on, on his luck and not having any money or anywhere to live or any friends or anybody in his life, a- a- any sort of purpose, you know, still have. Still the chili peppers, but you know, just you know, nothing really much going on. You know, just a man down on his luck, and but he's looking for the next score. So go down to the, uh, you know, you know, down, you know, Los Angeles under the bridge in, you know, in Los Angeles to to get their score and shoot up and yeah, geez, waste and yeah. waste oneself essentially. And look, I mean, they've already had the, uh, yeah, the tragic loss of, you know. Of one of one of their their mates, which which uh, I guess enticed him to to clean up his act and and get mm. better. You know, you lose a, a man member who's essentially a part of your, 
your family, you know, Hillel Slovak. You know, they're all big. They're all just such big abusers. And, you know, I think it takes, you know, unfortunately it takes the, a moment where it's too late, you know, before you realize something has to change. And, uh, yeah, that's essentially what, yeah, what the song is, is about, just the, you know, the overcoming the addiction. Yeah, I mean, reading reading this, here's uh, drug use and history and battle with it was actually pretty confronting. Of all the music biographies I've read, his was one of the most disturbing, maybe. Like, I, yeah, I was surprised. Um, um, yeah, so it's a it's a good read, but it's it's pretty confronting with that side of things. Uh, he, from a young age, very young yeah, age, he was he, yeah. he was he was surrounded by again. He had this family that was yeah. His dad, he was very much into the, into the uh, the art sector of things and traveling and moving from home to home and uh, just he was just surrounded by yeah by it. So very easy thing to him to have just fallen into you know. And then when you know you got you got it running through your through your band you know through your business, you just you know it just keeps going and going. At the point where you just yeah, where like I said, it takes it takes someone who's part of your your family, yeah, you know, to, mm. to to see, yeah, you know, to, to make that change. Yeah. So this was released on this tenth uh, of March in nineteen ninety two as their second single, uh, and like you said, it was probably their highest uh, commercial success song. I think it's their highest. I just had a look then. It's their highest streaming song on Spotify. But uh, obviously, it's one of those songs we hear on the radio at least a couple of times a day, and uh, yeah. it's um, one that I probably flick past for that reason. But it's yeah. a great song, you know. It's definitely a great song. It's a great video, and um, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I remember just yeah, so. This is a song that got me in, into the band, like you know, because it was always on you know, video hits back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was such a big song. It was always you know, you know every every Sunday you'd watch the show, and it was. You know, top five. I'm sure it was. I'm pretty sure it did hit number one over that you know span of time there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see it every week, and it was it was such a great song. Like you know, like you know, for me as a kid, hearing that it was just a song with a great you know, it was just a, it was just a, again great song. That you just yeah, I, I didn't understand the lyric. I didn't really pay attention to what the lyrics meant. It's just it was just. You know, it's down, till down the track, obviously, when you start to, you grow up a little bit, you start to kind of dig deep and start learning about the story behind what every song is about, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. because every song has a meaning to it. Um, so it, it, it really kind of hit me, hit me later on when I took notice of what it, what, what it was all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of then, then you go back and you listen to it again. And, and to me, it felt new again hearing it, you know, as, you know, you hear the songs all the time. You kind of, you know, you want to, you know, go so much, you just kind of flick past them as, you know, as time goes on. But it kind of made me want to just go back and really understand, you know. And when you start, then even when you start singing it, you start understanding the meaning. So again, it just, it, it kind of, it kind of felt new. Like, you know, when, when I kind of hit my teenage years, paying more attention to, the, to that side of things. And mm. um, it, it's amazing that, like, with, with this song being the single, because it doesn't sound like a very, from everything else we've talked about, you know, big, energetic, funky, sexy, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, this is a, a ballad, which is not what would, as far as releases go, isn't something mm. that um, Chili Peppers fans would have been used to from their previous stuff as well. 
Um, but yeah, like it came to a time where they were going to re- find the next single of the song. Uh, sorry, the next single uh, to release. Sorry, yeah. oh, same thing, kind of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> next single to release. <laughs> uh, and they had the the guys from Warner at one of their shows come check them out. And you had all the PR guys there and everything, and uh, they basically had to. Yeah, this was basically them to show off what the chilies were made of. And when they got to singing, got to performing this song, uh, I think Anthony had missed his cue or he bugged up his lyrics or it was something like, uh, I think he, I think it was more to do with him missing the cue. So it was like, oh, he completely stuffed, stuffed it up. But the band, uh, sorry, the audience started singing the song. Like as soon as uh-huh. you know the time was to come in and sing and he forgot to sing his part, <laughs> The whole audience started singing and then took over. And after the show, he was chatting with the, the, the label guys there. And he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I, 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 I butchered it. I missed my cue. And, uh, oh, no, a tragedy. I embarrassed myself in front of the, uh, the label here. And they were like, this is a blessing in disguise. We just found your next single. Yeah, right. If, okay. you've, got, if you've got a song that everyone's already singing, you yeah. know, you know, the, the, you, you, a bunch of kids, you know, uh, have already seen it before it's even been released, that, that already engaged with it. Bang, we know what we're releasing now. Mm. And shoot, how about that? And look what it turned out to be. The biggest, biggest, well, uh, you know, to this point, biggest stream song. So I'm guessing it probably is still their, their biggest song today. Yeah. Yeah, going from Give It Away to this song as their next single is a pretty, pretty big jump, isn't it? Pretty big it difference. Is. It, it's very unchilly. <laughs> and there's no. You know, sometimes when you hear bands like you know that are big, they have the big rock, big rock songs, big energy songs, and they have a ballad, and everyone's like, "Oh, this, you know, sell out." You know, um, yeah. you know, no, there's there's nothing sell out about this. This nah. is pretty. This is deep. This is deep, and there's again, there's all these elements in there, especially with that. You know, towards the end of the song, we were talking about the meaning of the song. Um, you know, under the bridge downtown um, is where I drew some blood. Yeah, under the bridge downtown, I could not get enough. You know, you're talking about. You know, under the middle of where I gave my life away. You know, yeah. it's basically, it's validating the meaning of, of of what under the bridge really is. But you know, you know, so you just, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's heavy, man. It's it's, it's literally very heavy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, this uh, reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100 charts behind. Jump by Criss Cross. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a song, a, a song with a real, a real deep meaning. Yeah, yeah. But inside out is wiggity 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 whack. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of funny actually. I was just thinking like the whole under the bridge thing. Um, there was a song on Nevermind released on the same day as we've said earlier in the episode. Uh, Nirvana's song "Something in the Way" also Kurt sung about sort of living under a bridge. So oh. on those two albums, you know, similar. I just sort of that wasn't a release. Yeah. That that song wasn't a release though, was it? No, nah. single. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. So, yeah. but you know, that story was often talked about, and um, you know, Kurt living under a bridge in Aberdeen, and uh, obviously Anthony doing a similar thing, but taking drugs. So kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Hmm. Those, those, those upbringings, eh? Yeah, they're, they're definitely right good stories, don't they? They've lived, they've lived through some shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this song definitely kicked the Chili Peppers into the top ten, as David Fricky of Rolling Stone said. Um, now, was this a – this was originally a poem that Anthony Kiedis wrote, and I think uh, uh, Rick Rubin was going through his notebooks one day. Is that right? 
Uh, I he, believe he picked it out. That's that's in the, that is in I think that's in that is in the, in the, in the documentary. Book. I think yeah. Is the doctor mm-hmm. or the author? Author might have been in the in the Peter's book. Oh yeah, actually it might have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so had to use it. Yeah. Hmm. Let it out. Yeah. 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 He was always just noodling poetry words. Yeah. I think he was a bit funny about singing this song at at first, wasn't he? From what I, uh, he didn't want to sing it or share it with anyone, but he eventually came around. So, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that was because of the words or the style of singing that he sort of had to to do more of a ballady style. Say, say it was probably would have been probably a bit of both, I and mean, it's, it's yeah. pretty. Because Ian, it's, it's pretty heavy, you know. Like, it, it's personal. It's extremely personal. No matter what yep. way you sing it, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it worked, worked out well in the end, and I think it, it I think it is a uh, a song that's not just a hit because it again, it's a great sounding, commercially accessible song. But I think lyrically, it, it does kind of hit a lot of a lot of a lot of hearts, a lot of people, mm. whether it's been yeah. to them or someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Good. Classic great song. song. And. Uh... Obviously paid off well for them, as you said. So, uh, yeah, but I don't know if this album would have, would have been as popular without this as a single, maybe? Yeah, oh, uh, not at all. No, so uh, an album where they just went all in on everything, uh, why not throw it in there, you know? Yeah. So it's good because it's relatable. I think um, I think this was in the Keita's book as well where he talked about he thought it was funny that, like, housewives and stuff would hear under the bridge and be like, oh, this is a nice song, and then they'd buy the album and take it home and a song like Sir Psycho Sexy would come on and they'd freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like uh, that. Yeah, uh, so. A lot of people, I think we've all made that, that, that choice when we've heard one song, you know, that the band is released and going to have the commercial appeal to it, and then... You get the album and you're like, oh my god, what the hell am I? What have I yeah. bought? You know, what, what? What is? I was not expecting any of this. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, and we'll get to Sir Psycho Sexy shortly. Oh, one of right. my favourite tracks. Oh, so so sexy. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Let's keep it up. Let's keep so, up. What do we got next? Naked in the rain. It's amazing how um, fun the album just. I mean, again, a great album, but how fun the rest of the the album gets from this point. Yeah, you know, it just it gets a bit silly. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah like I said, naked in the rain. It's just such a oh, such a such a silly song. Yeah, this reminds me of "Suck My Kiss" a little bit. It's got got that sort of tightness, that riff tightness, uh, uh, where they're just so tight together. Yeah. Um. So yeah, sort of punchy, like "Suck My Kiss" a little bit to me. Just so funny, movie. just lyrically, just it's just funny about you know whales and Doctor Doolittle and all this yeah. kind of, it's, it's just a bit more of a fun, just a fun track. Uh, it's a cool song. It is. It's got a great groove. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, just a bit. Of, yeah. Very kind of almost you know, anthemic. The chorus is very just sing, sing along. It's got a very. Mm-hmm. It's got a very sing along feel to it. Um, I don't know. If I've never heard it live before. I don't, I've never mm-hmm. researched if they've ever done it. I'm sure they probably have. Uh, they. It's something that's just a, you know, like I said, a bit of fun. Yeah. 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 Great song. Bass sounds great. Tight mm. as. Excellent. <laughs> that's what you want. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, and nothing more, probably. Yeah. Next up uh, Apache Rose Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> this one um, 
sort of reminds me a little bit of Sir Psycho Sexy. It's, it's kind got, of yeah. it's like it's baby brother or something. Yeah, the, the connotation of it. Yeah, I mean, you're, mm. yeah. Uh, might be some of the actual lyrics in it. Uh, it's a bit sexually menacing, like Sir yeah. Psycho Sexy. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just talking about yeah, the old uh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know so the bridge. It. That's a nice song. Oh, what's yeah. this Apache Rose Peacock? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't get much more than that. Then when you yeah, basically yeah, kicking it yeah. So what what do you like about like as far as the song Apache Rose? What's your what's your what's your take on it? I think it's a sexy song. Just sexy. It is. Funky. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's a freak of nature, just, but we love him so. Yeah. Yeah. It's this kind of menacing. Like, it's, I don't know if that's the right word. It's, um, yeah, they just sort of, like, a lot of the songs have got that sexual connotation, but this one sort of ups it a little bit, like, so psycho sexy. Uh, yeah. I just think it's a cool, sort of fun song. It's a strut, you know? It's, just, it's about mm. just, I guess, male hedonism. Almost, yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and it's kind of what you come to expect from Anthony Kiedis lyrically. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, yeah got, oh. he's got him written all over it. So uh, yeah. not not shying yeah. away from from the obvious. Let's just say, yeah, yeah. And mm. especially if you read the book, you sort of get what he's about, and uh, it makes sense. <laughs> absolutely, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a cool song. Love it. Next one. Almost say seventeen songs, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Uh, um, yeah, but we got the uh, the greeting song. Hmm. Man, tempo. This is got you talk about speed of a song. This this one's uh, a big, a big kind of speed, loud song. Just like yeah, just kind of driving in your car, kind of song. Crank it up, play it loud, and have some again, have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, this is cool. It's like it's got this sort of frantic, sort of high energy thing about it. Because the drums are quite sort of straightforward, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guitar and yeah, oh, it's a cool song. I like this one. It's like high energy. This um, high high energy, the greeting song. It's like ah. Yeah. I love that guy drum thought to start. Yeah, just just kind of slapped it in the face. And I was reading before that Anthony Kiedis isn't a big fan of this song, actually. Yeah, uh, I, I I did I did read something about that recently as well. Um, but Rick Rubin loved it. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Rick Rubin sort of wanted him to write a fun song about girls and cars and that sort of stuff. That was it. Yes, yes. yes that, that rings a bell. And Kiedis didn't like the idea at the time and never has but wrote the song anyway. And uh, I don't think he – I think he still doesn't like it. So, <laughs> but, I uh, think, that, yeah, you needed somebody to kind of break up – just kind of break it up a little bit somewhat, you know. But, no, it's it's just a kind of high-powered, high-energy kind of yeah, yeah. fun song. And just talking about, you know, some of the silly – some of the other silly stuff now, yeah. Of course, yeah, the guys I never were never into – Oh, I mean, they're probably into it, but not just so much singing about it, and you know, yeah. like you know, you leave that shit to you know, Motley Crue, you know, yeah. um, that kind <laughs> of thing. But girls, girls, girls. But there you go. They went. That, that, that's what they were all about. They definitely weren't uh, showing away from any of that kind of thing there. So, <laughs> yeah, but no, this is a cool song. 
it's kind of uh, it's kind of heavy, sort of punchy again. Um, yeah, I dig it. Yeah, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, I just, yeah. it just like it, it winds you up. Just that, that little that little bit of the stuff. Mm. Like, oh, bang. Yeah. <laughs> well, why not enjoy it? Have, 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 have some fun. Go, cool, as. Uh, All yeah. right. Yeah, this next one, my lovely man. Yes. Was this written about Hillel Slovak? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, basically, in, yeah, in dedication to to the late great fallen brother of theirs. So, mm. yeah. Um, I actually had some notes on that. Yeah. Um, but you take you take it away if you like. Yeah. Look, I, I don't have a lot to say on this one. Um, can't say it's one of my favourites on the album, but. Again, you know, it's hard to imagine the album without it because it's part of it now. Uh, but it's probably not one of my go-to. I enjoy the more funk, high-energy ones like the Greeting Song or so Psycho Sexy or Suck My Kiss. But you know, it's a it's a nice song. This one. Mm. Uh, yeah. It, it is a nice one. It's got- Oh, the song, it, it, yeah, like the, so the, the, the lyrics that of the, the, the quotes that I had just, just kind of punched up here. Um, it was basically from, um, from Anthony Kiedis uh, when he was having a chat with Rolling Stone. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the quote direct here. My yeah. lovely man is about my love for Hillel and the fact that eventually I will find him. Mm. Kind of like when I die, I'm counting him on him to save me a seat. And whenever I sing that song, Hillel is completely in my world. Isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah. 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 He was great. He was amazing. What amazing, amazing uh, guitarist he was. Uh, I love, I mean, all that, all that other, you know, back, back catalog stuff of, of, of Chili's, especially on Uplift Moffat Party Plan, um, you know, and just unfortunately just, just took the wrong turn, just took, made a bad choice. And yeah, but you know, uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, Everyone, everyone's turn. Yeah, they'll be. You know, he's he's waiting. He'll be waiting for the guys. You know. Yeah. Yeah. When their time when their time comes. So, uh, so mm. yeah, just a nice nice um, homage. Let's just say, yeah, yeah. Of, a, yeah. Of, a, of a track, yeah. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> the last. Oh, lost my track listing. Are we up to? Are we up to the final track? Well, second final. Second final. Second last. So psycho. Oh. Oh, so Psycho. Sorry, yeah, so I've lost my yeah. track listing. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. Eight minutes and 17 seconds of Sir Psycho sexiness. Sir Psycho, <laughs> Sir Psycho, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is such a cool song, this one. I, I really <laughs> like this one, the way they they take it out with the outro and stuff like that. It's, um, you know, worlds away from the, the first half of the song, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's just... Got that similar Apache Rose Peacock sort of thing yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's often one of the, it, Yeah, it's often one of the. Like I was saying, like, it's one of the. Um, I'll keep getting mixed up with some of the names of the songs. This is one of the ones I kept. I kept kind of getting mixed up because, yeah, because of the kind of the feel and the, and the theme of it. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So psycho. Yeah, eight minutes of just yeah, yeah. So psycho madness. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> just, yeah, being a dominant, it's... dominant, being being a a dominant male, yeah, <laughs> having yeah. all the good. Yeah, I always find that quote funny. What Keita said about you know housewives buying the album for under the bridge, but then getting so psycho sexy at the end. That's it. So, <laughs> I, 
that's why it becomes like this this back end of the album is just such a, a fun silly time they're having but they do it so well without it being corny you yeah. know that's that's the thing yeah it's easy to be corny i think but uh, they, they sell it well off uh of uh, creativity uh, and good songwriting. So, yeah. And I, I think they were at the right age to pull off some of the lyrics that they did, like, out of this album, you know. Uh, they were at that age that sort of maybe made it okay, but you can't imagine them releasing something like that this oh, these days or anyone shit. for that matter. Anyway. Oh, it's, it's such a, that's such a weird thing when you hear a lot of the – look, I mean, if I turn on – MTV. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I'm basically watching softcore porn. Yeah. Uh, you know, why does all this stuff have to get thrown under the bus? You know, mm. when, you know, all the same shit that's popular today is talking about the same stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah some, I don't know. Some pretty gross stuff out there now. Like oh, God. Tacky gross, it. too. Like this, this sort of stuff is sort of funny, sort it's of a bit, almost comedic. Tongue in cheek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But stuff today is just tacky gross, you know, it's not Yeah, tack tack. It's not even artistic. It's not even No, no, it's just it's just no 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 no. It's just just all out there. It's it's, a lot of it is 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 more visual appeal than um audible, you know? Yeah, Yeah, which really sucks. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, big uh big hat tip to Sir Psycho for me. It's one of my favorites. Uh and the last song, track number seventeen. They're red hot. They're red hot. Is, it's just, the one song that was cover. recorded out. I think so. Uh, written and performed by Delta Blues music, musician Robert Johnson. Oh, there we go. Okay. I think. I'm going to look, I'm gonna have to look that up. I was unaware mm. that, that was a cover. Um, the one song that, was re- that wasn't recorded in the house. Huh? Sorry? What, oh, it the wasn't? one track was, oh. was not recorded in, in, in the mansion. Oh, where was this recorded? Outside, just out, just outside. Oh, okay, <laughs> outside the mansion. Yeah, they yeah. did it uh, outside, just like uh, like uh, basically on one of the hills there. Uh, it was all in open, all in just open space. You know, microphones. Uh, very simple, very simple setup. Uh, yeah, that's why you hear it. It, it, it sounds like it's. You know, it doesn't sound like it's you know, mass produced. It's very um, a lot of the, the the drum work on there. Chad's playing. It's actually just playing with his hands. It's just bare hands. No no sticks. Actually, the whole song is, is all done with his with, with, his, with his hands. Okay. So yeah, there's no there's no there's no real kind of grooves getting that all kind of you know that delicate kind of snare sound. He's hitting the cymbals with his hands. That fucking hurts, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doing all that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's got he's got bloody baseball glo- baseball mitts for the hands anyway. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so all good for him. But yeah, that's all it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was done in a few takes because it's got a very almost it's got a very live slash demo feel to it. Mm. Yeah, a bit like a bit like the last um, mm. uh, podcast we did talking about Bon Jovi, New Jersey, uh, Love for Sale. The way they yeah, kind of yeah. closed that album it's very much a, a live recording, essentially a demo. And there you go, that's the way to close the album. We're done. Yeah, close the door. Yeah. And yeah, they're red hot. Once goes for like a minute, I think it's a very uh, yeah. Pretty quick I song. Mean, so, could, could they have done without this song on the album? Well. Possibly because they had about twenty-five songs mm. recorded or, or ready, at least for the album. So I think it's kind of—I mean, look—I mean, I, I guess you've got, you've got to realize it's, it's got to fit onto onto a CD. It's got to—they yeah. probably had to. I'm not sure how long the CD goes for, but 
you know, you got it, or if you're doing vinyl or cassette as you're doing, they're doing back then as well. I think they, you, you, you are within that kind of limitation. So, um, uh, which is probably why, because like you know, they had songs like, um, uh, like Sick of Muck and Nico, which ended up on the Wayne's World soundtrack. Was Soul to Squeeze was, uh, was Soul to Squeeze? Yeah, Soul to Squeeze was recorded at the same time as well. Yeah, and that ended yeah. up with the Conehead soundtrack. Yeah, and I was yeah. going to ask you, how the hell did that get left off this album? Because that is one of my favourite Chili Pepper songs. Well, it's a ripper, absolute ripper, yeah. and that was, that was a huge hit for them too. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you just don't realise that. I mean, you don't know what's going to be a hit at the time. Mm. You know, you don't. You don't know. You know, you've got twenty-five songs to choose from. You got to go with what you feel in the best seventeen, and probably to their ears, mm. those other tracks. Which is great because at the end of the day, they still ended up on something else. Yeah, you know, they still end up on soundtracks, and they were big, big parts of those soundtracks. Because yeah, Soul to Squeeze, it was recorded in those sessions, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when by the time it was released, John had already left the band. I think, I think, because he wasn't in the video. Yes, that is correct. Because I think that was ninety. I think Coneheads was ninety three. And he mm. left during the tour. John had left during the Blood Sugar tour. Um, him and Kitas were starting to go blows. Um, yeah, they were having some some issues. I think a lot of this success and spotlight was starting to get to um, starting to get to John. Yeah, uh, the whole fame. Obviously, that was there. That, that tour was album and tour was absolutely huge for them. Yeah. Um, it was starting to get starting to get John a lot. Um, during that tour, he, he he had brought someone in with him. I think when they were doing their their European tour, he met up with someone over there, a girl over there, and she basically comforted John, you know. And she started traveling wherever he went, you know, with, with the band. And uh, Anthony hated that because mm. uh, they had a rule: basically, no girlfriends, no wives, spouse, whatever. That was the rule. Um, John just said, just said, fuck it. Uh, and uh, he basically told him just before one of the shows, I'm not playing, I'm done. I'm done yeah. with, the, with the band now. But no, no, they convinced him to do the show at least. But, but you know, they said that the, the gig was just shit house. You know, it was mm. like, you know, you know that someone's leaving, like, you know, it's not supposed to be this way, you know? You know, yeah. one of your brothers is, is, is leaving, but, you know, so the gig was pretty, was pretty ordinary. Um, and uh, yeah, John had left, and they brought um, Eric Marshall into uh, to mm. fulfill the remainder of the tour. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, a session guy. Yeah. So yes, getting back to the point. Uh, yes, yeah. John had left the band by that stage. <laughs> well, there's the backstory to that, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, August 19, 1993, it was released. Soul to Squeeze. Yeah. Um, part of the Conehead soundtrack, like you said. Yep. Uh. Originally recorded during Blood Sugar Sex, um, although it was not featured on the record. Uh, I think it was used as a B-side on the singles Give It Away and Under the Bridge. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds like sounds about right, yeah. And that actually became um, popular. <laughs> it became a release. How about that? And then they released it on the Greatest Hits album in 2003. Good. Uh, but, yeah, it was... Um, Always one of my favourite Chili Pepper tracks, actually. Yeah, I, I remember back in the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to... I found it funny at the time that it wasn't actually on an album. 
one of their hmm. albums. Mm. That was that that was I guess sorry before I interrupted. Sorry, it was what I was what I was going to get to myself was you know younger and doing when I was younger doing my research and buying the CDs and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't find this thing anywhere. I couldn't look up Wikipedia for it, you know. So it's like, where is this thing? You know, like mm. so for years the, 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 the song had just just passed me by because I just I, yeah. I I didn't know. And then uh, someone, a friend of mine, had the uh Conehead's soundtrack I, I didn't they just had it on uh and I'm like I'm like oh well I didn't know I, I didn't know they were listening to I just I just had this, this CD going on in the background and it was probably like 98 or 99 whatever it was 1998 and I was like oh my god here's the song I took the CD home and I burnt it um <laughs> you know <laughs> as we did yes it was a style at the time uh, but that was like, oh, I was like, oh, what a relief. Okay, so uh, uh, that, that my, my journey was over, like finding yeah. out of that. Um, yeah, so that was cool. So it was such a great song. Yeah, great video too. Uh, is, it, is it the circus or something? I can't remember. The traveling the black circus. and white video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since it, I've seen it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they didn't have John or any other guitarist in the band at that stage, but. Uh, it's got the monkey in it and uh, the guy shooting out of the cannon, um, big elephant and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a really cool video. And, um, yeah, it was always one of my favourite songs, but it found it strange that it didn't belong anywhere, much like um, I think it was Pearl Jam's State of Love and Trust. That was one of my favourite songs of theirs, but mm. I don't think that was on a – that wasn't on 10 or anything like that was it yeah it's just amazing like yeah you've got all these songs that you've written uh and yeah you got you got to you know and whether it's the label that wants a certain amount on the on the, the recording you know on the mm. overall package of it as well but it's good that they, they can still serve i love hearing b-sides that was one thing i really looked forward to back in these times was yeah. buying a single buying a single from a band and hearing you know oh yeah you know, look at the back and go okay i haven't heard this song it's not like it's not going to be on the album so what what's this all about you know uh, so that was, that, that was, that was a cool, a really cool thing. So I've got like, so I've still got so many of my CD singles from bands, you know, yeah. that I, you know growing up and it's like, I learned, you know, it's like, it's so cool having that. Cause it was just like another way to get, it was, it was, it was the way to get, get, get your hands on it, you know? So, mm. uh, so pretty cool. Yeah. B-sides was always a thing, wasn't it? Even on like single record singles, you know, you'd have, yeah. uh, uh, obviously, the lead single and a B side on the other side. Um, yeah. Same with CDs. I guess with the digital age, there's no such thing as a B side. No. You know, there's <laughs> nothing to print it on the reverse side of. That's of, it. It's so. just, just all out there. So, mm. so this amazing album, like, yeah. it's like, I, I, I come away, I asked ask you this, like, what was your first? experience i probably should have asked at the start this but what was your first experience like when like i i can remember when i first got my hands on it and, and started listening to it. what was your do you remember when you first acquired such such the item the mm. recording i don't actually like my copy is pretty old so i have had it a while but i don't remember when i brought it uh i know going back to our mutual friend Jared again and his brother Ty, he was into a lot of Green Day and Chili Peppers. So I reckon it might have been through him that we got into the chilies, but I don't remember 
exactly when, but yeah, he was he was always cranking music. I'd stay at Jared's on like Friday night, and then early in the morning, his brother in the next room would be cranking out Green Day and Chili Peppers and that sort of thing. Man, it was just such a great time. When, now that I think back, like yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. Stuff that takes you, takes you like that. Yeah, and me and Jared were discovering Nirvana and Silverchair and all this stuff. Um, and then you'd hear like Green Day coming from the next room, and you're like, "Oh, that sounds pretty cool." Like I'm still half asleep, but that sounds pretty cool. I wish he'd turn it down a little bit because I'm trying <laughs> to sleep in here. But uh, yeah, he was more sort of punk and funk, whereas we were more grunge and rock and stuff, I guess. But yeah. at the end of the day, it all bloody crosses over and comes together. So, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but um, Chili Peppers have been on my radar for for, for most of my time, I guess. Um, so, but, yeah, I definitely got into, I think, you know, like Californication and um, was it By The Way? Is that the album after that? Yes. Um, and Stadium Arcadium. Um, but this is a this is a different era for me and uh definitely appreciate it. But um yeah, so I d I can't remember exactly, but they've always been there in some capacity. I That's think. cool. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And and the artwork, man, like I was just looking at that as we were talking, like that's pretty iconic sort of artwork, I reckon. I love it. Uh, it looks great on a t shirt. Mm. Do we know their logo, their logo just looks great on a t-shirt? Yeah. Do we know who did the artwork for this album? Uh, we have we have a I believe Let's we have, have a, a look. The looks here. Oh, tongue illustration by Hanky Panky. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Old, old mate Hanky Panky. Yeah, I know him. Panky. <laughs> so it's probably one of the band artwork. All photography. Oh, would you? Oh, I've got a little something here. So, all photography, paintings, and art direction for Blood Sugar Sex Magic were credited to filmmaker Gus Van Sant, with the exception of the tongue illustration. Here we go. Uh, uh, with the exception of the tongue illustration, which, according to the album booklet, as you just said, is credited to Hinky Pinky, otherwise known as Hank Schiffmarker. Okay. There we go. That's all, all right. it is. Uh, it's just. Okay. Yeah, well, I, that artwork is really cool, actually, it, now that it I... It is. It's just a really, yeah, it's a really, like I said, it's very iconic. Um, you know, you see it a lot through pop culture. You see a lot of T-shirts these days with a lot of the Blood Sex Magic stuff on there, whether you're a fan or not. You know, and then we, we have that debate of the, uh, the, you know, the people wearing the T-shirts, whether they're into the band or not. Name three yeah. songs, you know, um, yeah. as we as we like to shout. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just so, so cool. And, yeah, I remember... Yeah, I used to just love looking at that. I remember when I was in high school, going to the library and uh, getting that album cover and putting it on the photocopy and expanding it into A3. Uh, yep. And because I just wanted to have that nice and big um, on my wall and in my yeah. locker as well. I was I was a weird kid uh, in yeah. year seven with, <laughs> with my obsession of the Red Hot Chili Peppers back when I was in, in high school. Uh, I, sh- oh. I, uh, I went to America in 2007. Uh, and I remember I came back with a, a T-shirt with this on it, but I didn't wear it much because it didn't fit me very well. 
<laughs> and I too baggy, I've... too baggy, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like I know, a... I know you love them slim. <laughs> it was a really wide fit, and yeah. uh, I don't think I really wore it. I reckon I've chucked it out since. Idiot, idiot. Yeah. You chuck it in the uh, chuck it in the in the dryer, crank up the heat, and shrink it. <laughs> yeah, it was like sort of really short, but then it was wide. I'm like, what oh no! Can, what sort of a shape person fits in this? <laughs> so yeah, so I didn't didn't really wear it. Um, another notable mention that I just sort of was looking through the booklet. So this was produced by Rick Rubin, but it was engineered by Brendan O'Brien, who is a record producer in his own right. Uh, he's worked with ACDC, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Bob Dylan, Rage Against Machine, Bruce Springsteen. Um, what are some of the albums? Pearl Jam's Riot Act, Pearl Jam Binaural, Binaural Corn Issues, Limp Biscuit, Significant Other, he was a mixer, uh, Yield, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Super Unknown, he mixed that. So this dude's been all over shit as well. Man. Uh, yeah, ACDC, Rock or Bust, you know. Uh, all over it. The masterminds behind it, eh? It's, it's yeah. incredible, yeah. Uh, so we'll just say something about, I want to jump back to Rick Rubin for a sec. Yep. Now, I, I believe initially he did want to work with the Chili Peppers. I, I think mm. he was meant to be on the um, Uplift Moffo uh, Party Plan album. He was asked yeah. to come in on that, but. He wasn't a big fan of the uh, their lifestyle at the time. Oh like yeah, say, you're right. A lot of the um, a lot of the uh, you know, especially with the, the the heroin use and all that kind of stuff there. So yep. he essentially just backed backed out of it. I wonder mm-hmm. what that album. Was. I mean, I, that's actually one of my favorite albums by then, by the way. So, um, you know, you judge it for what it is. But I mean, I wonder if it was if it would have gone in a di- different direction. Um, you know. You know, musically, sonically, all that kind of stuff, songwriting-wise, if Rick was on that as well, you know. But we'll never know, and that's why it, it, it's in history now. So, mm. um, oh, I love that. I do love that album. But, yeah, it's great that, um, yeah, Rick had, had come aboard with the with, with, with the Blood Sugar. Um, they were very happy to, 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 to meet, you know, handshake on that and get it done. So, and boy, yeah. oh, boy, did they get it done. Yeah, hey, I think they came together at the right time there. You know? Absolutely, yeah. So they, they were better. They, they, were, they were a better band, you know. Bringing yeah. John and Chad into the band. I mean, you listen to, like I said, Mother's Milk is my favorite album from yeah. them. Um, it's just such an exciting album. It's very arena rock. It's production. It's very big, big choruses, big guitars, with metallic sound. Um, mm. That's what I like about it. It's very accessible as well, and the song, the songs, just you know, you know, just just carried themselves for what they were. Um, so you, you could, and at the time that was their most successful album. It, 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 I, I think it just missed out on top 50, um, billboard that year, Mother's Milk. So, uh, but that was their most successful and you could see where the band was going and where their sound with the, with the addition of those two guys was, was, was stemming to. So yeah, you knew, you knew that something bigger and better was coming aboard and, you know, you know, of course, Anthony was bit more cleaned up. I don't know where it was totally mm. clean, but it was it was a lot more, you know, re- revived uh, from from you know from previous um, outings. So, mm. uh, so yeah, it was just great. So, what an album! Thirty years, mate. Thirty years of, uh, of 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 this sensational album, which I still never tire of. It's incredible. Yeah, thirty years to the day. 
obviously, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be in a couple of days, but we're recording this on the 24th of September, 30 years ago to its release. Uh, yeah, man. Um, All right. <laughs> yep. Favorite songs? Hit me. What's uh, your top three? Oh, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> on the spot. On the spot, yeah. Hang on, let me get... Uh, it's a bit hard to read the track listing on the back of the the album, so let me get into Spotify. Yep. Um, look, it's hard to hard to go past. Give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just a great song. It's what uh, it is. Suck my kiss and breaking the girl. You know, Ooh, I'm that's not, cool. I'm so not, you said. Yeah, I'm not being too adventurous there, you know. But they are what they are. They're that good. It's just like, yeah, there's yeah. all the hits in there, and it's for a reason. It doesn't, doesn't have to be any of the, uh, any of the back, the, 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 you know, the back end of it. Yeah, it's just, um, uh, yeah. But no, great choices. <laughs> Can't complain. Yeah, but you know, the power of equality, blood sugar, sex, magic, and so psycho, sexy. You know, it's hard to go past them as well. So yeah. it's hard to pick a top three, isn't it? <laughs> when it there's is, so many yeah. good ones. That's a yeah. hard thing, yeah. What about yourself? Uh, myself, I would probably say, uh, what did you, did you say Give It Away was your number one? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's right. But no, for, for, for me, it's like my kiss is number one. So okay. That's, yeah, I just, I just love that. I, I, guess, I guess because it's, for, for me, it was, it, it's personal in a way that it was a, a development for me with my, with my drumming, okay. you know. I, I, always, I, always, I always end up nerding back to my, uh, to, to you know, drums, but um, but I just love that song so much. It's just so near and dear to to me. Yeah. Um, I do. My lovely man. Uh, now, this, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I I just really I really love the groove. I love the feel of it. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, like you know, because being about Hillel as well. I love Hillel as a guitarist. Um, I think it's a great song too. It's just yeah, just great chorus. Just nice grooves. Uh, Again, I guess being a nerd again, drummer. Um, Chad's hi hat work is just sick in that song. Uh, go listen to it later. Listen to Chad's hi hat yeah. work. <laughs> right. I will. Cool. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, Jesus Christ! Oh, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so many good ones. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an equal third here. Uh, it's going to be "Give It Away" uh, yeah. or "Mellow Ship Slicky in B Major." Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just so many. I mean, oh no, no, no! I, I, I take, I take that back. Sorry, <laughs> it's going to be. Oh shit! Um, oh, it's going to be a top. Fuck it, I'm going a tied third for all three. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cheating here. Let's add power of equality into that, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, yeah, shit. So, yeah, I can't, I, I can't separate. Oh my god, I like, I don't know where I'd, I'd stick all. This is just all, it's all gold. You know? It's hard, man. Like seventeen yeah, tracks is... down to top three. That's pretty. Oof, yes, it's pretty hard. I don't know why. I'm sorry, I asked that question. Yeah, but, <laughs> but look, oh, look, they're all they're all amazing, and I, I'm glad that we are we're, we're part of this. Excuse me, we're part of this time. Yeah, where uh, we get to enjoy this, and again, it's it, it's been a, a big influence, um, if not just musically, culturally, to our mm. to our lives as well. Um, yep. I think it's music, music it, itself. Um, acts as a soundtrack to our lives, you know, whether you're a musician or not, you, you know, you kind of, you can either put a song to a situation like 
you know, or something that's just happened or put it back to the time where you first heard the song. That's how I treat it. It works like a bit of a, a time capsule. So, um, and that's this, this album has definitely lent itself to that mm. overall. Yeah, and that's why I like to talk to you about music because I know you you totally get that and it's kind of hard to express that sometimes to outwardly, but uh, I think we grew up pretty similar. Yes, absolutely. And, no, uh, it's, it's good. I like the, the like-mindedness and I like talking with people and sharing those stories because I like talking. I like stories. You know, I like mm. hearing about memories and, you know, it comes coming down to, to, the, to the person talking to you and what you're about and, why you are and who you are is a lot to do with a lot of a lot of the art, you know. Yeah, and I think you and I have carried that through with us to this point. You know, I think a lot of people sort of let music go at some point or another, uh, but we've sort of hung on to it as musicians as well. Um, and like, music is just a huge part of our life. It's what we revolve our life around and i think that's why we're finding life so difficult at the moment especially is because sort of playing live at least has been taken away from us and uh everything is just overshadowed by so much bullshit so yeah. you know it's been, it's been beautiful talking about this because i haven't even thought one thing about <laughs> what's no. going on in the outside world <laughs> the last what have we been doing this you know Two hours, yeah, geez, no, two, two hours. Two eh? hours, yeah. We, we, we just so, go, mate. We just go. Yeah. Oh my god, it's fantastic. So, oh, god. if you're still listening at this point, thank you for <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> I hope you haven't thought about all the bullshit that's going on either, because uh, it's just two guys rapping, man. That, that's all it is, and just enjoying a love for uh, a love for music and, yeah. and and what it actually means to us. And you know, of course, to everyone out there who actually you know who listens to your show, we can hopefully you know. Gay, you know, I hope this brings back memories, you know, of, you know, where were you when you first heard this song or, you know, mm-hmm. when the album came out or did you go to the tour? Did you go to the gig? You know, it's, that's what this, this, that's what that's, that, that's how I find that, you know, coming onto this podcast, does it? it comes a bit of that, that outlet and it's a bit of storytelling rather than just, you know, talking about the album itself. It, it, it you know, to do with the listener as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you, you, you want to gauge with the audience of, you know, uh, what it means to them. That's a, that's a nice thing that it's because, uh, you know, it, it memories you hold on forever. Mm, Cause yeah, these, these albums are snapshots of a moment in time and uh, it's, it's what we base our life around. It's like, uh, you know, when we brought this album, when we got into it or, you know, just when we became fans of whatever band and it's, uh, it's how we chronicle, chronicle our life. I think. Um. So, well, this has been fun, and I didn't expect us to talk this long about it, but I'm not surprised <laughs> either. So that's good. That's awesome. So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you're still listening to this point, <laughs> you've done well to stick around this long. And uh, I can't wait to do another album with you soon. Should we give away a short list of what we're thinking of doing? What do you reckon? What are we thinking? Are we still basing it around uh, 1991? And possibly we, maybe we get a little, uh, little someone else on board to uh, throw in there to Bob as well. Yeah, or maybe you and I can do another one in between that just in case. I do, I do like that. I like that. Mm, I do. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking? Are we still, we're still rocking on 91? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's just such a 
such a massive year. Um, where's my little list here? I was to say, where's that? Where's that list? I got I got it somewhere saved in my phone here. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this month, well, we've got Nevermind released today, thirty years ago. Uh, Pearl Jam 10, Soundgarden Bad Motorfinger, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, Smashing Pumpkins, Gish, Ice Cube, Death Certificate. That'd be cool (laughs) to do a rap album. That'd be one I have to learn. I definitely have to learn about that, yeah. Michael Jackson, Dangerous. Ooh. That could be cool. Got me tingling. All right. Because you're, you're a big fan of that, yeah? That is my favorite MJ album. It's absolutely like my, mm. like one of my favorite albums. Wow. I forgot about that. Ah, 91, of course. How did I not think yeah, of that? Yeah. yeah. That's the one. All right. Should, Maybe, is that the sneak peek? Are we, are we locked it in or are we, uh, <laughs> oh, am I getting, am I jumping the gun? <laughs> I, I would like to, I would like to do something like that because, you know, I'm a big MJ fan and that was always one of my favourite albums, but I kind of just listen to it. I don't know a lot about what's behind it and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Slash played on Give In To Me. That was yep. off that album, wasn't it? Yes, sir. And that was one of my favourite songs. Um, and videos, ripping solo by Slash there as well. Did he play on Black and White? No. Black or, or was White? That just- uh, I'm like, uh- or he played it at the award shows, one of the award oh, shows. I yeah, I'm not Live. sure. Uh, I'd have to go deep dive into that again. It's been a, it's been a long time since I listened to the album. Yeah, and uh, I remember some of the guys from Toto played on that on that CD. But oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, so we'll save this for. Uh, for right. Yeah, but yeah, I think spoil. I think the spoilers out. So yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right coming to you soon with uh, Luch and Craig uh, breakdown of Michael Jackson's Dangerous. Let's check it out. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. I look forward to it. It's going to be great. Awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for today. Uh, tonight now. It's gone dark now. That's how long we've been talking. Um, oh, yeah. It's time for dinner. I think it's time for dinner. Yeah, man. I'm starving. So thanks, man. Thanks for your time. It's been great to chat with you about this album. And I uh, can't wait to do another one with you soon. I think we've got a couple on the horizon just quietly, but uh, I like it. one by one. So thanks, Looch. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, any words of final words there, Looch? Yes. <laughs> yes. Get me the hell out of this lockdown. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Open <laughs> up Victoria, <laughs> you bastards. Yes, yes. Well, look, look, yeah, to everyone out there who is um, feeling the same shit that we all are, look, yeah. just keep hanging in there. Look, I, I, I know it's hard saying that. I keep saying it, and some, I, I, sometimes I have to believe my own bullshit sometimes, but it, it's all we got right now, okay? But you know what? Stay cl- try to keep close with your friends and your family. Uh, listen to some awesome music. Um, reach out. It's a tough time for everyone. Um, you know, but you know, just keep close. Trying to go too loopy. Uh, we we're going to get through this. And when we when we do, it's going to be ours once again. Look, look, we're going to bring those good times back. So, uh, my love to all you out there. Okay, we're going to be yeah. all right. And I would add to that: turn the TV off, turn Facebook off dive into some records or, uh, you know, documentaries about music or nature or whatever. Just uh, don't get caught up in the the media spin and all this negativity. It's just, it's pretty gross. So, and that's partly why we've jumped on here today, you and I, Looch, to to get away from some of that and focus on 
what we love and that's music and uh i hope you've all enjoyed this episode and if you're still listening at this point you're an absolute legend thank you um, legends follow uh fox on the wire on facebook and instagram and luch where can where can people find you Oh, uh, mainly my uh, Instagram, which will be uh, at Luchador Music. Uh, that's it. At Luchador Music, sorry. <laughs> that's yeah. it. At Luchador Music. So uh, that's my uh, my teaching page there and other silly stuff, bit a bit of other music stuff and just whatever's going on, you know, whatever crap, you know, fun, silly. No, nothing negative, not, nothing ever negative on my page. It's just, just all good happening and stuff. So it'd be good to come, come to us at uh, the I don't like follow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, the single I just released about a month ago, almost two months ago now, Looch played drums on, uh, called The Fire is Alive. So that was our first uh, music collaboration together, actually, wasn't it? So It was, um, and it was uh, be- beautiful music. So go check out this guy. He will, uh, he will lighten up your day. Go check out the Acoustic Fox. Thank you. Thanks, Looch, and uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Catch you again soon for another episode of Fox on the Wire. See you later, boys and girls. Bye. Fuck on, everybody. Take care. Cheers. Thank you, Craig. <laughs>